shot by police. His death in 2011 led to riots across England. Hertfordshire County Council has the most amount of unspent money designed for community and social projects. The authority is holding on to £56 million in Section 106 money, which has been given to them by developers during planning talks. Tony Fisher has more. The figure obtained under a Freedom of Information request is almost double that of Milton Keynes, which has £29 million in its coffers. Section 106 agreements are negotiated between a developer and the council to offset social and environmental costs of a new development. In addition to the £56 million, Hertfordshire County Council has returned almost £700,000 to developers because it hasn't been able to proceed with specific schemes. There's increasing concern for a man from Leighton Buzzard who was last seen on New Year's Day. Neil Devlin was last seen leaving a friend's house after spending the day at the pub. The 36-year-old has learning difficulties and lives near the River Oozel. His friend Chelsea says they're worried. I've known him for over four years and this is not his behaviour. So for him to just disappear, not contact anyone, not go to work, it's not him at all. A helicopter carrying the Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall was forced to make an emergency landing in Buckinghamshire. The aircraft was passing Denham Aerodrome last May when it started veering to one side. Lee Agnew has the details. The aircraft was on its way to a festival in Wales when the pilot realised there was something wrong with its controls. He managed to land safely and the royal couple made it to their destination by car three hours behind schedule. A spokesman for the royal family described the landing as quite a hairy incident. Accident investigators say the problem was caused by a metal ball splitting in half, which is used in the machinery to control the helicopter. The weather, showery outbreaks of rain soon clearing to give a drier and brighter day with a high of 10 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's be honest, isn't it mild? It's mild out. Oh, it's mild, isn't it? Very mild, very mild. Lots to talk about on the show this morning. And as always, I know you'll want to have your say. This time last year, Luton Borough Council vowed to take prostitutes off the town streets within five years. A radical promise. We'll find out whether it has a hope in hell of working. MPs are refusing to drop plans to change the law to stop people being annoying. Bad news for Justin Dealey. And how did you pop the question? There's a fella in the newspaper who spelt out will you marry me in bales of hay. Yeah, it's a good idea if you want to marry a rabbit. I think it's a bit of a lame idea. We surely we've got better stories out in beds, hearts and bucks than that, haven't we? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR or... You can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's a story we've been covering quite a lot here on BBC Three Counties Radio, the situation in Hightown regarding prostitutes. A year after a promise to eliminate street prostitution in the whole of Luton within five years, police have been checking up on the situation in the worst-hit area, Hightown. 
The council made the rather ambitious plan in response to pressure from residents campaigning for something to be done about people openly having sex and taking drugs in their neighbourhood. Well, our reporter Matt Lockwood was out with the police last night and joins me now. Morning, Matt. Morning, what Ian. What happened last night? Well, it started off as a, a quiet night, Ian, but eventually a known sex worker was identified on camera and the police van I was in sprung into action. Special Constable Matthew Statham takes up the story. What's happened is um, a known sex worker's got into a, um, a black vehicle um, on Frederick Street. Um, now I think it's now on William Now then, obviously, what tends to happen is they'll negotiate um, a price and then they'll go to a sort of a quiet location which is out the way um, where they think they won't be seen um, and they'll carry out their business. So this is a, the known sex worker who's now been pulled out of the vehicle. This black golf in front of us, we're now getting out of the van. The van has stopped. Sex worker's getting annoyed. Which has now been pulled over to one side by the police. Uh, we're now speaking to the sex worker to find out why she's come here, why she was in the vehicle with the chap. She's well known to us um, and she's a bit upset. She doesn't want to be filmed, of course. Her family and that could be watching, so uh, it's a bit upsetting for her. Nobody wants to see them getting distressed like this, you know. It's not, it's not easy for them. It's a difficult situation for everybody involved. Yeah, it can't be easy um, what they have to do to earn their money. It's a dangerous job for them, isn't it? It's uh, half past ten at night now, but it wouldn't be unusual to encounter somebody at sort of three, four o'clock in the morning, a female with a customer, and who knows what dangers they put themselves in. Well, that was Sergeant Jason Carhill. He was in charge of last night's operation. Police then had a word with a man inside the vehicle. Here's what he said. Well, I, I don't know if she was a customer, I didn't know. Well, that's not what she said. Honestly. OK, no worries. Bear with us. We'll come back to you in a second. Just hold his car key. Well, eventually the sex worker was sent home and the man escaped without a caution. Earlier in the night, a man was taken to Luton Police Station where he was cautioned for curb crawling. What difference, Matt, has this crackdown really made? Well, Bez Police say since the operation began a year ago, 186 men have been arrested for curb crawling and the number of complaints from people living in the area has fallen, down from 43 a month to around seven. Now, police say they're never going to completely eradicate prostitution. Their crackdown's about trying to control it while offering sex workers a way out of trouble. Special Constable Matthew Statham says the approach is working, though. When we started the operation in April, um, you'd probably expect to deal with about six or seven curb crawlers uh, a night. Um, as the year's gone on, numbers have dropped down to perhaps one or two a night, um, sometimes not any at all, um, purely because of uh, the curb crawlers, I think, are aware of the police presence in the area, and it's definitely working towards um, preventing the problem. Now, uh, going up to couples like this and approaching them and cautioning them and things like that is one thing, but what, what are police and the council doing to tackle the root causes of this? Yeah, there's a lot of focus on the sex workers, and they're being encouraged to attend a scheme to wean them off drugs. Now, police say 99% of the cases they come across are drug or alcohol related. Now these are voluntary programmes at the moment but the Police and Crime Commissioner for Bedfordshire, Ollie Martins, told me they could become compulsory for sex workers. You can arrest street sex workers, you can take them to court 
they'll be fined, that's all the law allows, they'll be fined, uh, and of course that just means that they have to work harder to pay the fine and potentially feed their drug habit. I know what's being carefully considered by partners is, is there actually a point at which we do have to use that power of arrest and actually compel them to take the support that's being offered? And as I say, I know that's something that's being carefully considered. And you were speaking to Ollie Martins later in the programme. It, it just raises so many issues, doesn't it, yeah. this story? It, it, it really does. Matt, I appreciate your time. Thank you for that, and thank you for going out last night. 08459 455 555. Now, I'm guessing most of us wouldn't want to have sex workers working in our street outside our house. But, but, is there an argument that perhaps prostitutes do serve a purpose, that the, 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 the sex workers... Well, are they as bad as they seem? I would love a call from you this morning if you have used escorts or sex workers or prostitutes or whatever it is you want to call them. And and why? I know the basic reason why, but, but what, what are they fulfilling in your life? 08459 455 555. Do we need to be a little bit more understanding about the, the women involved in this, the sex workers? 08459 455 555.
Ladies Program. Christmas time. La 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 la. It's Christmas time. La 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 la. I think there are people out there with special powers. Hansen Deek. Morning, Ian. This is Kelly's nan. I'd like to ask you to stop getting on to her and insulting her over the radio. Because other people don't know her like we do and they think you mean it. So, unless you want me to come to see you personally, I would stop it. Are we too hard on prostitutes? think that perhaps they do serve a purpose and there is a reason for it. You can't be completely against them, can you? What harm are they doing you? Yes, if they're doing it in your street, up against your back door, as we have heard stories about Hightown, then you would be a little bit upset by it, wouldn't you? You'd be flipping furious, of course. Of course. But doesn't that mean we just need to find a safe place for these women to ply their trade? I mean, there's there's obviously a demand for it. And by the way, let's be honest, there's nothing better than a bit of audio of a man who's just been busted by the police while he's um, got a prostitute in his car. Is there, there's a, it's one of my favourite bits of audio, that. There, there are hundreds of examples. I didn't know she was a prostitute. It's my friend. What's her name? Um, don't know. Don't know. Do you remember that picture of Hugh Grant as well? Oh, yes, the Hugh Grant photograph. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. 08459 four double. F- you right, Kelly? Morning. There we go. 08459 four double five five double five. Let's be honest. Let's have an open and frank discussion, bearing in mind there are young ears listening. Have you used escorts? Or are you completely against them? Is there a need... Oh, no, stop, stop making your own innuendos. You're doing your own shows in there, you mucky pups. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's quarter past six. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. In Oakley, the bridge on Church Lane is closed because of flooding. And also both of the bridges over the River Great Ooze at Felmersham and Harold are also closed after flooding. Pretty quiet on the speed sensors at the moment, but there is quite a lot of surface water on the cameras. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much indeed. Right, 6.16, it's Thursday, the 9th of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Police say the prostitute problem in one area of Luton has dramatically reduced. £56 million in unspent social and community money is being held by Hertfordshire County Council. In sport, Manchester City increased the pressure on the West Ham manager Sam Allardyce last night. Oh, hiccup live on on the radio. After thrashing his side 6-0 in the first leg of the League Cup semi-final. The weather will be rain clearing, then mostly dry and bright. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio.
every weekday from three. Roberto Peroni. Milton Keynes is smarter than the average city and the borough has now been named as one of the five places invited to a Smart Cities Forum. With the best local news stories. Bedford Hospital's leadership has been described as weak in a damning independent report into the problems in the paediatric department last summer. With the best local talking points. An ordinary postman from Watford had a dream that one day that he would raise enough money to build the first free independent hospital in his hometown in Pakistan. After three years of campaigning, hard campaigning, Houghton Regis Leisure Centre swimming pool had been saved and would in fact be reopened. Roberto Peroni, weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Three Counties Radio. Now for something that will come as a great relief to my team. A proposal for a change in the law to stop people being annoying was thrown out by the House of Lords last night. MPs are refusing to let it lie, though. They're convinced that injunctions to prevent nuisance or annoyance, or IPNAS, will be more effective than the current system of antisocial behaviour. But uh, orders. But civil liberties campaigners, like my next guest, feared the new rules could apply to people like chuggers, nudists, and carol singers. Well, I'm joined now by Josie Appleton from the Manifesto Club. Morning, Josie. Good morning. Well, what exactly are, were they trying to achieve with this reform? Um, I mean, I think they were trying to allow councils to do pretty much whatever they wanted. Um, the category of behaviour that would have been uh, criminalised was amazingly broad. So anything that was capable of causing annoyance or nuisance to another person, to any other person, which would include almost anything. So essentially, um, councils would have been given an incredibly free hand to use this however they they thought fit. Um, 
And the potential victims of this law would have been many and various, um, you know, potentially skateboarders, homeless people, street buskers, uh, who all no doubt annoy somebody somewhere. So it, it, it was very broad then? It was pretty much open to interpretation? It was, it was very broad. Um, and we already know that ASBOs have been um, widely abused and people, all the silly examples of people giving ASBOs to stop them crossing the street and to stop them wearing a cap and all that kind of thing. Um, and this law would have been much, much broader. So the potential for, for those sorts of examples would have been much greater. Um, so that's why it's, it's fantastic that the, the Lord Deer's amendment passed last night. Um, now, the gov- we're very much calling on the government to, to, to back down and to accept the amendment, but that remains to be seen. And so, Well, it would appear that MPs aren't going to back down, are they? they, they they've got, kind of got their teeth into this one. Well, I mean, it, it was quite an overwhelming majority um, in the Lords, so um, it's now you know, down to, to um, the government to see what they're going to do about it and the Commons. Um, so, I mean, uh, it, you know, I think that the, there is wide recognition now at this stage, it's a very late stage in the bill, that, it, that, that it's, it presents all sorts of threats to civil liberties and is just too broad, um, and, and this amendment would do a lot to tighten it up and and make the test more stringent. So what exactly is the amendment? How, do, how would the amendment work? Well, it would replace uh, a, the capability of causing nuisance and annoyance with uh, the test for causing harassment, alarm and distress, which is obviously uh, tighter, and that's the test currently used for ASBOs and for public order law. I mean, I think that's still too broad in many ways, but it's a lot better than nuisance or annoyance, which is... Um, massive. So. Don't we need something though, Josie? To, cause, cause it, 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 is an, it is annoying, I suppose, when you walk down the high street and you, you've got half a dozen chuggers um, coming towards you. You've got some bloke murdering Simon and Garfunkel, not literally, <laughs> but on the, on the guitar. It, it, wouldn't it be nice if, if those things weren't in the high street? Um, <laughs> I mean, yes, it, it is uh, annoying, but I mean, I think one person's Simon and Garfunkel murdering as another man's um, beautiful guitar playing. I mean, <laughs> I think that, you know, these things are a question of perspective and things that some people love annoy other people, and that's public life. And I think, you know, if the streets were to be sanitised of everybody who the council thinks might be defined as annoying, um, then they'll be much quieter and more sterile places. Um, and so I think that... It's, People may feel annoyed by things, but that's not what the criminal law should be should be doing. And actually, places where there's less regulation, you get more interesting things going on in public. So in Paris, for example, where busking is, is much less regulated, the buskers are a lot better than they are in oh. London, where you have squares you have to stand in and you have to pay your slot, where you get basically Phil Collins and that kind of thing. Um, so, I mean, I think lack of regulation actually means more vibrancy in public space. Are we in danger, do you think, Josie, of kind of losing uh, the, the eccentricity and, and uh, the, the frisson in our high streets if we, if we could follow this through? Absolutely. I mean, ASBOs are already used to, to crack down on, on some of the more colourful aspects of urban life. So, for example, in Oxford Street, there was a, a, a street preacher who spent all day haranguing shoppers for sinning. And oh, he had a shop- megaphone, didn't he? He did have yes. a megaphone. Yes, I've seen that chap. Yeah, don't be a sinner, be a winner, was his catchphrase. Yep. And, um, but he had an ASBO issued against him, he couldn't go to Oxford Street. Um, so, and actually, most people found him quite funny, and um, you know, he was part of public culture. And um, so this sort of law, which would then take things a step further, is that sort of person doesn't, is no longer allowed to, to, to be in public. Mm. Um, and actually, those people are part of urban life. You're and right. For a bit of colour.
Do you remember the fellow that used to walk up and down Oxford Street years ago with the sign saying, don't eat fish, don't eat protein or don't sit down? Exactly, and he's that for 40, 50 years. Yeah. <clears throat> and he, 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 had, he been, had he still been around, he would have been out under this law, would he? He would have been out within a second, yeah. Okay. Josie, I appreciate your time this morning. Josie Appleton from the Manifesto Club. She's right. I mean, yes, chuggers, and, and I'm, I, as you know, I'm not a fan of buskers. Get rid of them. Line them up against the wall. But uh, we do like these people that shout with megaphones. In Victoria, um, I've been in Victoria a lot recently, and uh, up until a while ago, there were some Chinese Christians singing very, very badly, very badly. And the fellow we were talking about, whose name always escapes me, uh, would march up and down Oxford Street for 40 years. He must have been tired at the end. Uh, with a big board saying, don't eat protein, don't eat fish or nuts, and don't sit down because it, uh, it, it increases sexual deviancy or something like that. Something like that. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Pressed up to the window The bus headed out of town His breath on the glass He draws with his finger The map of the roads they go down The circles of streetlights The only signal There's people out there in the black He waves goodbye The town he grew up in Knows that he'll never come back Oh, but the night outside is far below His heart is pumping blood On his lips a perfect smile His eyes begin to flood Cause tonight's the kind of night Where everything could change Tonight's the kind of night Where everything could change And the rumble strip clack And the rattling frame Be out of pulse on his head the engine hums a humble tune, a melody of rubber and lead. And under lamps like gold, and paradise stars, an infinity of dancing white light. He sees that his death is to experience only, and not to those who plan out his life. Over the night, outside is far below, the moon is in the sky. His heart is full of perfect joy, he whispers his goodbye Cause tonight's the kind of night Where everything could change Tonight's the kind of night Where everything could change And tonight is not gonna come back home Oh, tonight is not
I like a little bit of Noah and the Whale. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to talk about this morning. Are you brave enough to give us a call and admit that you've used an escort? Have you used an escort, Catherine? No. Okay. Oh eight four five nine four double five. I don't think so. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Coming up after the news, it'll be um, the section that the internet is proudly calling the most exciting bit of radio uh, since um, uh, our tune by uh, Simon Bates. I think that's what they're calling it, isn't it? I think that's, that, that's what they meant. That's what they meant, yes. They may have may or not have read that way, but that's what they meant. If you want to take part in it, you're more than welcome to. Pick up your telephone, dial us, and you could be talking to myself. And what's your name again? Catherine Elizabeth Boyle. Have you got a middle name? Of course I I don't have I don't have a middle name. Really? No. What's that look for? That's because you're um, like Madonna. Exactly. <laughs> what? <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. In Oakley, the bridge on Church Lane is closed because of flooding, but checking the speed sensors, things are looking good on the major routes so far this morning. On public transport, First Capital Connect have delays of up to 30 minutes between Hitchin and Cambridge because of a signalling problem. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. At 6.30, I'm Jane Killick. Police say a crackdown on sex workers in the high town area of Luton is having a big impact. Complaints from residents have fallen from 43 a month to seven in the last year. A helicopter carrying the Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall was forced to make an emergency landing in Buckinghamshire. The aircraft was passing Denham Aerodrome last May when it started veering to one side. Hertfordshire County Council has the most amount of unspent money designed for community and social projects. The authority is holding on to £56 million in Section 106 money, which has been given to them by developers during planning talks. The weather, rain clearing and wind easing for a drier, brighter day with a high of 10 Celsius. Under sport and in football, there were calls from some West Ham fans for manager Sam Allardyce to be sacked after his side were beaten 6-0 by Manchester City last night in the semi-final first leg of the League Cup. Earlier this week, owners David Gold and David Sullivan backed Allardyce in an open letter to the supporters. Allardyce says he understands why they're upset. It's life, in it? When you're not doing well, you get stick as a manager. So I'm getting stick at the moment, so... Uh, that's the way. That's the way it goes. That's the way this job is. You take it. You take it on the chin and get on with it. So you can understand that when they travel all this way and you got beaten uh, heavily, that uh, they're going to give you some criticism. So it's it's life. Bristol Rovers are through to the third round of the FA Cup at the third time of asking, following two postponements. They scored twice in the last seven minutes of the game to beat League One side Crawley two one and set up a meeting with Birmingham. Toronto FC are expected to complete the signing of the Tottenham striker Jermaine Defoe, according to reports in Canada. The deal is believed to be worth around £6 million, which is a record fee for Major League Soccer. Tennis and Heather Watson is through to the second round of qualifying at the Australian Open in Melbourne. She beat Australia's Arena Rodionva 6-4-6-3. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll be back with the full bulletin at 7. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Simon is in Luton. Morning, Simon. Morning, Ian. Simon, what can I do for you, sir? I was thinking about what you were just talking about, about this uh, criminal, this uh, antisocial behaviour bill that the House of Lords have thrown out. Yes. 
They don't, they, 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 we, they, you can still annoy people on the high street, Simon. Exactly. Well, the, the thing is, Ian, yes. if you actually delve into the bill and take a closer look at it, and thank goodness it's been thrown out, oh. um, if you actually look into it deeper, yes. what it actually gives police the power to do is to arrest you for what they think you may be, might be able to do or what? may be about to do. Really? So if, yeah, oh, yes, yes. And if you... It, I mean, it strips away the cornerstone of the British justice system, which is that you are innocent till proven guilty. It's like that film with Tom Cruise. It was the one where he swipes the air and um, it predicts... Oh, um, um, yeah, minority Report. That's, that's the, the fella, that's, yes. That's the one. That's the thing, not it, Top Gun, it, it, yes. Honestly, it literally, it literally, if the wording of it says that you can be arrested for what they think you may do or may be about to do. Simon, so, are you married? Well, I am. Can I ask? Sorry, just going for a complete tangent. Thank you for that point. Excellent point, well made. I'm glad you've cleared that up. We'll be talking about that more in the show. How did you propose to your missus? Uh, I was over the phone. It was over the phone, actually. What? I know, I know. What? That... Shameful. That's terrible, Simon. <laughs> I, was, I, I... I was actually away at the time. Yeah. I was, I was, uh, I was working away at the time. Yeah. And um, she was actually moving into my... My house. Sweet, yeah, nice. Yeah, well, so, and, uh, yeah, we kind of got talking, and uh, I said, well, hey, if you're moving in, we might as well get married. I was, I, uh, how I romantic, was plan- I'm, I'm welling up. <laughs> no, no, come on, be fair. I was planning, we were going to Egypt on holiday, yeah. and I was planning to do the whole balloon flight, and... Uh, well, why, and pre- why didn't you so why do did you that? Ruin it? Um, because... Uh, because I'm a kidney transplant patient, oh. and I, I couldn't, I couldn't get insurance to go to um, he's, Egypt. He's, he's played the old kidney <laughs> transplant patient card. <laughs> Simon, he, it works every time. He's disabled. He's, we can't argue with that, <laughs> Simon. You still, even even with a kidney transplant, you still could have been a bit more romantic than over the phone. Oh, it, oh. oh gosh, I, I feel, I, I feel ashamed now. I, can, can you do me a favour? What's your yeah. wife's name? Queenie. Queenie. Can you divorce Queenie? Right. <laughs> And then uh, either propose to her better or find someone else. Um, Is that an option? I shall rectify the matter immediately. Simon, God bless you. You're a good sport. Thank Sorry, you very Queenie. much indeed. Looks <laughs> like you're out. Wait, four five nine, four double five five double five over the phone. Kidney transplant or no kidney transplant? Still, I mean, really. A lot of people do, though, don't they? And they say things like, well, we just decided together. Not good enough. No. Even if you have decided together, men should hold back and make the grand gesture. Exactly. Because it'll be the only one you ever make in your life. Give us your stories, please. After a bit of Carly Simon. Five minutes, 28 of Carly Simon, to be precise. <laughs> We've got to sit in a room with Catherine Boyle for this long. It's going to be Lucky, lucky you. Reach for the top of the sky And the farthest point On the horizon Do you know who you will meet there?
One minute 42 seconds early. Honestly. That is a tedious... It's not a tedious song. Carly Simon is a genius. I like that one song that Carly Simon did. I don't like that one anymore. But that is... Too easy. This one's a little bit more... We need someone with an expert musical knowledge to decide whether that song is good or not. J-Dog. Hey, good morning, boss. Good morning, my friend. What This song by Carly Simon, good or tedious? Anything by Carly Simon is absolutely amazing. What, even this? It. Yes, it's great. She's brilliant. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Kelly Betts, your, your opinion of the song? Not what you just whispered in my ear, but... Oh, okay. Uh, I thought it, it was quite boring. Yeah. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dear. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. Mm. Ke- and Kelly Betts likes Jake Bug. Enough <laughs> said, really. I also like really other good people. <laughs> yeah, really other good people. Right, now, <laughs> Justin. Yes. Yesterday, we, yesterday was an amazing show for That's many, many so, reasons. Yeah. Laughter, tears, wonderful things. But also, we got some real... Real spontaneous displays of affection... That you wrung out of people. ...from the listeners. Yeah. Matt phones up. Matt is a very, very miserable old so-and-so. <laughs> but yesterday, spontaneously... All right, Ian, I like you. Yeah, you go, you see. Yeah? That's okay. actually a proposal from Matt. Peter. Peter in Warmer Green. Oh, my goodness gracious me. He hates me. He's hated me until yesterday. I like Ian Lee's programme. And then some fella said this. Don't you just love the Ian Lee show first thing in the morning? There we go, I don't know who that was. sincere, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. So, Justin, you very bravely and very kindly, and thank you for this, because I I could not have asked, you volunteered (laughs) to go out in the streets to um, just see what the the, the man, stroke woman, on the street thought of the show. And I believe you've you've got a package, as we call it in radio, of spontaneous comps. Absolutely. You wanted some sound bites for 2014. Listeners saying how wonderful you are. Massaging 
stroking your ego. Yep. Well, Ian, I did take this one to the streets. Are you prepared for this? Oh, here's, I'm, here, I'm ready. Here's what happened. Like the garage music he plays, those tunes are so banging. You sure you got the right show? Yeah. Ian Lee. What do you think about Ian Lee, madam? I, I like this standing guy. What's his name? Justin Dealey. Oh, that's me. Is that you? Yeah, nice to meet you. Thank you. Clive, you're a fan of Ian Lee. I found a fan. Say something <laughs> nice about Ian Lee. Come on. Sir, you're doing a good job. Just, um, you brought, uh, cover a broad range of subjects. You're to the point. You don't faff around. And that's what I like. Straightforwardness. End of. Come on then, John. Ian Lee. I preferred him when he was on Emberdale. It's a good point, actually. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Thank you very much. OK, cheers. Do you want to sign my petition to extend Wally Webb? I've already signed it, haven't I? Morning, sir. How are you today? You well? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. What's your name? Mahandesh. I see you've got your headphones in there. You must be listening to uh, Ian Lee. Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> I'm what? just listening to some Bollywood songs. Oh, right, OK. Uh, tomorrow, would you maybe swap Bollywood for Ian Lee? Uh, yeah. Ian Lee is very good. He's a Doctor Who-loving Pratt, isn't he? Yeah, he is, actually. He is. I'll pass that on. Thank you. Okay. You're telling me, madam, Ian Lee doesn't wake you up in the morning. Well, who does then? God wakes me up. No, not Ian. God, G-O-D, wakes me up every morning. What radio stations he on? Everywhere. That's the thing. It's, it's reachable everywhere. On all frequencies? All, all the time. Everywhere, everywhere. Would you maybe swap tomorrow morning? Would you maybe swap God for Ian Lee? Uh, no, I wouldn't. Because even, even Ian Lee himself, he's not untouchable. Because God created him. So God gives him the strength to do what he does. Yeah, but Ian Lee thinks he's God anyway. No, 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 he's not. Deep inside his, um, deep inside his heart, he knows he could be a weeping giant. He's, he, he begs for God to give him strength and everything and courage and everything and the grace to keep on doing the things that he does. I think weeping giant is a compliment, isn't it? Mm, yes, you know. You know, Ian, OK? You know. All right? Wasn't... It wasn't quite what I was expecting. A few comps in there for you. You know, people saying that you're good, people saying that they like you, people saying that you, uh, you know, you don't beat around the bush, you uh, stick to the point. So Clive likes you. That guy was right, though. He's not as good as Bollywood, is he? No, he's not, no. no. But maybe today he won't be listening to Bollywood. He'll be listening to you right now doing your pay-per-view. There's a petition to get Wally Webb show extended, is there? Yes, yeah, at nine o'clock, yeah. How many signatures are on there? Um, the last count yesterday was 2,300, and that was in uh, a day. Did you tell some of those people what to say? No. A bit like you, yesterday, those people, totally spontaneous. What are you saying? Well, thank you. It's okay. Are you crying? I'm not, I'm not a weeping giant. <laughs> you know. Let's just leave it there. Thanks, Ian. See you later. Bye. When, you need to, as producer of the show, Catherine, can you have a word with Justin? I tell him when he's finished. He doesn't tell me when he's finished. Well, hang on, you're telling me what to do now, aren't you? Well, OK. I tell you what to do, you, you don't tell me what to do. You, OK, hang on. Kelly, Kelly, can you do me a favour? Yes. You're the lowest in the food chain. Thank you. Yeah. So can you let Catherine know yeah. that I would like it if she told Justin that I tell him when he's finished, he doesn't tell me when he's finished? If you want, I can tell Justin direct. Well, that's that's missing out. Do you of... think you can tame the J Dog? Yeah, of course. We go way back. Really? Yeah. Why? Do we just do? That's missing out the order of command, though. 
But it's just quicker, isn't it? Yeah, but if you could... We could get Alice to tell Justin. We can get Alice to tell me to tell Kath to tell Justin. Alice? Yes? Could you tell uh, Kelly to tell Catherine to tell Justin that I tell Justin when he's finished, he doesn't tell me when he's finished? I can think about it, yeah. Oh, blimey! <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M25 anti-clockwise is building up at Junction 20 for Kings Langley. Also looking busy on the north orbital in Brickett Wood. That's at the M25 Junction 21A roundabout. Still problems left over from flooding. Both bridges over the River Great Ouse at Felmersham and Harold are closed. On public transport, though, no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice. I think... Right, 6.46, it's uh, uh, Thursday, the 9th of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio, soon to be followed by the weather. A crackdown on prostitutes in the high town area of Luton is said to be having a big impact. Mechanical failure caused a helicopter carrying Prince Charles and Camilla was forced... Hang on a second. Mechanical failure caused a helicopter carrying Prince Charles and Camilla to make an emergency landing in Buckinghamshire. In football, Manchester City thrashed... I uh, <laughs> just. I'll read out what it says. You fill in the blanks. Manchester City thrashed his side six 0 in the first leg of the League Cup semi-final. Any ideas? No, me neither. Right, it's six forty-seven or thereabouts. Let's get the weather with Elizabeth. Beds, hearts, and bucks. Weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. We do have a few showers around this morning, but the good news is we've probably seen the last of the heavy, persistent rain for now, at least. Um, so some showers around through the morning rush hour, mostly concentrated across parts of Hertfordshire, actually, at the moment. They're gradually going to clear. Um, we could see a bit of a scattering of showers, perhaps, through the late morning, but I think from uh, from um, uh, really the late morning onwards, we are looking at a dry day, and there'll be some good spells of brightness and some sunny spells a bit later on this afternoon, too so an improvement all the while we've still got that rather brisk westerly wind though so it's always going to feel quite blustery the wind's eventually easing down as we head uh, into later on this afternoon top temperatures a little bit cooler than we've been used to we're looking at highs of uh, around between between 7 and 9 degrees celsius really 48 in fahrenheit now as we head through into this evening it's going to turn really quite chilly we might just see the odd stray shower but mostly dry with largely clearing skies too perhaps temperatures dropping just low enough for a touch of of patchy frost particularly in the sheltered rural spots as we head into tomorrow morning so lows of two or three degrees celsius tomorrow again is looking dry during the daylight hours at least there'll be some spells of sunshine around there will be a few outbreaks of light rain on friday evening into saturday but the weekend good news it is looking dry nice and crisp um feeling like um yeah nice sort of sunny winter's day i think for the most part on saturday there will be some rain again on sunday night into monday that's the forecast On Inside Out, we ask, who owns the East? We reveal the people with the lion's share of the countryside where you live. And we find out what rights you really have to walk where you please in your town. Plus the plant that can pull down a house. We meet the homeowners left with a bill for thousands. Inside Out East with me, David Whiteley. Monday, 7.30 on BBC One. Morning, this is Inley, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. Now... 
Hertfordshire County Council has the most un, uh, most amount of unspent money designed for community and social projects out of all local authorities. It's holding on to £56 million, £56 million in Section 106 money. Now, this has been given to them by developers to make new home schemes more attractive. The money can be used to help fund roads, parks, youth services and pieces of public art. Well, Robert Oxley is from the Taxpayers' Alliance. Morning, Robert. Good morning. Robert, what's your view of Section 106 money in general? Well, in general, I think they're a a tax on planning and we have to look at the impact. We should stop pretending that our planning rules and Section 106 don't actually make housing more affordable to you and I. Uh, If you look at the the way the system works, the fact that developers are demanded a certain amount of money, that means that when developers look at whether they're going to build homes in an area, uh, the amount of profit they will make uh, is reduced and therefore in certain areas they will decide not to build homes. And the problem is, is when you restrict the supply of homes like we have been doing this in this country several things happens the homes get smaller in fact if you look at it in the uk homes are on average about 15 percent smaller now than their european counterparts and they're getting smaller and homes become more expensive so that means that rents go up it becomes more difficult to get onto the property ladder and stuff like the housing benefit bill go up so i think when you look at these section 106 agreements and the planning rules we shouldn't pretend there isn't a cost to you and i for them for hearts county council to have so much money unspent 56 million pounds. That's fairly shocking, isn't it? Well, this is the worst thing. Is you follow that logical conclusion that you know we're making it more expensive to build homes, we're passing those costs onto people, and the council are just keeping that money in a pot and they're not spending it. So you've got the worst of both worlds. They're taking cash off, making life more expensive uh, and making it more difficult to build homes, but then they're not actually doing anything with that money. And on occasions, that money gets spent back because of poor uh, negotiations, poor rules, or just general misadministration by the local authority. Uh, uh, that's the thing, isn't it? If it doesn't get spent, it has to get sent back. Uh, but in some areas, like St Albans, the, the money hasn't been particularly well spent, has it? Absolutely, and there's some big questions, uh, as uh, listeners in St Albans know, I know because I used to live there, um, about one of the roundabouts, which was um, as part of a quite a controversial planning application over there. Uh, and ultimately, there was a big question about how the council handle, handled the cash uh, for what sh- could have been investment in infrastructure. But I think I want to get back to this point, is that I know in many places, in, in many parts of Hertfordshire, people won't feel that uh, uh, they want homes built on, on land nearby, or they'll feel that you need those uh, infrastructure infrastructure levies uh, to make sure to, to provide the schools and roads. But actually what you have to accept is that those those roads, those schools, those need to be built. But it's a question of where you fund them. And if you fund them via uh, 106 levies, what you're doing is you have the following, the, the, the added impact of actually reducing the amount of homes being built, which has a very big cost to people, which is particularly uh, relevant at a time when we're getting, uh, you know, it's, the average age of first-time buyers is going up and many more people are just struggling to get on the property ladder at all. Should the planning system be reformed, Robert? Absolutely. Our our planning uh, regulations date back from the 40s and ever since then we had not been building enough homes and that's one of the reasons we're in an affordability crisis when it comes to housing at the moment. Um, I know in big parts of uh, the three counties regions there are questions about where people want homes built but what you have to remember is that every time you stick one of these rules on, whether you say, you know, it's uh, affordability, it's size, what you're doing is generally making it more expensive to build those homes and that has a knock-on impact 
impact of making low and affordable housing just less accessible to the majority of people. Finally, Robert, just on where this 106 money can go, some of it seems to be spent for the sake of being spent. In Milton Keynes, they're looking to erect a statue of Olympic long jumper Greg Rutherford using this money. You argue it's quite a nice thing, but really? Really? Again, this is what happens when you introduce this level of bureaucracy and, and rules into the kind of planning system as there is this fund the council have got to spend it because they certainly don't want the headlines they're saying well we've had to give it back and I think if you ask most people Milton Keynes would they want more affordable homes or they want a uh, statue of Greg Rutherford as popular an individual <laughs> as he is uh, I suspect I know what might be the answer of the majority of people and I think it's pretty interesting you know that, that is one of the areas where money is going on uh, at a time when homes are becoming more expensive Robert I appreciate your time this morning Robert Oxley from the Taxpayers Alliance 08459 Five five double five. It might seem crazy what I'm about to say. So shall she's here, you can take a break. I'm a hot air balloon that could go to space. With the air, like I don't care, baby, by the way.
Yes. Here we go. Clap for happy. Clap along, Dennis. Do you feel like a room without a roof? No, I haven't got a room without a roof. No. Do you... No, do you... No, do, you like do you feel like a room without a roof? Yes. Yeah. Anything to do you. Thank you. We're talking prostitutes later on, Dennis. Oh, well, I don't know anything about those, but no. you did you did say something I'm about... I you haven't worked es- as one. You've worked es- as everything else we've ever talked es- about. No, no, you asked about escorts. I was an escort. Oh. <laughs> well, what, when... Oh, dearie me. When and why and how, Dennis? In Singapore. There were three servicemen in a, in a jeep going round. Oh, hang on a second, where's this story going? How no, desperate for cash you, were I'm you? I'm telling you, there were three servicemen yes. in, a, in a jeep riding round the funny areas of Singapore, escorting my, oh, servicemen out of that area and telling them not to come back. OK, right, so you, so you, sort of that you were that sort of escort. OK, yeah, well, that's, that's good. Right. How did you propose to your win? Uh, down, it was in a carriage, a railway carriage, which wasn't connected up, so it was a single carriage. Oh. And I got down on my knee, hold, held her hand, and, him, and asked her to marry me. Now, we'd already got the wedding ring, so if she'd said no, I'd have been out of pocket. <laughs> and you, did you go and get permission from her parents before? I had a word with her father. Yep. But he was a nice man. He was a yep. nice... Not a mother. I'd have, I'd have had to... There's a fella in the newspaper. He's he's done it, but he's arranged bales of hay, saying, "Will you marry me?" Is that romantic, Dennis? Depends what he's doing with the hay. Dennis, thank you very much indeed. Always got to always got to bring it down to the gutter level, hasn't he? Really has. Disgusting. How did you propose to your partner? Julian Williams says, "I haven't got a girlfriend at the moment, but when the time comes." If the time comes, I may propose by writing, will you marry me in rose petals on the bed? And Lorna says, being a leap year and following in the footsteps of my mum, I propose to my then boyfriend. 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. We've had a call in from Norbert, who's on the M1 southbound at Junction 9, which is at a complete standstill. We're unsure why at the moment, but if you have any information on that, do let us know. The M25 anti-clockwise, busy between 21 for the M1 and 20 for Kings Langley. Also slow going between 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. In Oakley, the bridge on Church Lane is closed because of flooding. And on public transport, we've got no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much indeed. A strange mix of a show. We'll be speaking to Madam Becky, former escort, uh, in a little bit. Do you use prostitutes and escorts? Is it time that we kind of accepted them and, and found a way to make it work properly? Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's seven o'clock, I'm Jane Killick. The headlines, police action reduces prostitutes in one area of Luton. A helicopter carrying Prince Charles made an emergency landing in Buckinghamshire and Hertfordshire has £56 million in unspent community and social project money. BBC Three Counties Radio. Police say an operation to rid the streets of sex workers in the high town area of Luton will continue despite a fall in complaints and curb crawlers. It's part of a five-year plan to tackle prostitution and antisocial behaviour. Sergeant Jason Carhill says he feels a degree of sympathy for the sex workers. 
It's not easy for them. It's a difficult situation for everybody involved. It's a dangerous job for them, isn't it? It wouldn't be unusual to encounter somebody at sort of three, four o'clock in the morning, a female with a customer, and who knows what dangers they put themselves in. The head of the Metropolitan Police will meet community leaders this morning to try to address concerns about the death of Mark Duggan, who was shot by police in 2011. Mr Duggan's family have condemned an inquest which concluded he was lawfully killed. A helicopter carrying the Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall was forced to make an emergency landing in Buckinghamshire. The aircraft was passing Denham Aerodrome last May when it started veering to one side. Lee Agnew has the details. The aircraft was on its way to a festival in Wales when the pilot realised there was something wrong with its controls. He managed to land safely and the royal couple made it to their destination by car three hours behind schedule. A spokesman for the royal family described the landing as quite a hairy incident. Accident investigators say the problem was caused by a metal ball splitting in half, which is used in the machinery to control the helicopter. Hertfordshire County Council has the most amount of unspent money designed for community and social projects. The authority is holding on to £56 million in Section 106 money, which has been given to them by developers during planning talks. The figure obtained under a Freedom of Information request is almost double that of Milton Keynes, which has £29 million in its coffers. There's increasing concern for a man from Leighton Buzzard who was last seen on New Year's Day. Neil Devlin was last seen leaving a friend's house after spending the day at the pub. The 36-year-old has learning difficulties and lives near the River Oozel. Detective Inspector Zara Brown from Bedfordshire Police is appealing for the public's help. We're maximising opportunities in terms of CCTV footage. We have seized a considerable amount and what we are doing is tracing back the steps uh, that we believe Neil had taken that evening uh, back from the town to his home address. Um, and yes, I would, I would like somebody to come forward and provide some information. In football, Alvaro Negredo scored a hat-trick as Manchester City thrashed West Ham 6-0 in the first league of the League Cup semi-final. The weather, showery outbreaks of rain soon clearing to give a drier and brighter day with a high of 10 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties. Jane. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Three minutes past seven, it's Thursday the 9th of January. Lots to talk about this morning. This time last year, Luton Borough Council vowed to take prostitutes off the town streets within five years. The radical promise? Well, a year on from that promise, we'll see how things are going. MPs are refusing to drop plans to change the law to stop people being annoying. Bad news for Justin Dealey. And how did you pop the question? One bloke's been spelling things out in bales of hay. Yeah, OK, interesting. If you want to marry a rabbit. Come on, we can do better than that, can't we? Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR. Or, the best way is to give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. A year after a rather ambitious council promise to take prostitution off the streets of Luton within five years, police were in the worst-hit area, Hightown, last night to check on progress. The crackdown came in response to pressure from residents who told us some extraordinary stories about goings-on 
going on in their gardens and against their front doors and their bins. Classy. The police told us 99% of street prostitutes in Luton are working to feed an addiction and real progress is being made helping them get clean while officers get tough on curb crawlers. Becky Adams is a former madam from Milton Keynes and joins me now. Morning, Becky. Good morning, Ian. Becky, do you think this will work? Well, it's a difficult one, isn't it? And I think it's worth mentioning that although this morning we're talking about street street prostitutes, a good uh, 70 to 80% of sex work is actually off street. So that's sort of indoor, um, which is probably good in this weather. Well, it would be a little bit nippy out, wouldn't it? Now, it is indeed. Is, is, is that the problem, do you think? Because no one wants to have prostitutes walking up and down their street having sex in their front gardens, do they? I'm sure even you would blanch at the prospect of that. Is that the solution, to get them off the streets and put them somewhere safer? Well, I totally understand the worries of residents and the concerns of the police. Um, and obviously with ladies who are working on the streets, it, there obviously are problems with sort of addiction and drugs, which isn't always the case with ladies who are sort of working indoors. And I, I think, you know, of course it's got to be better to have ladies off the streets where they can be safer and sort of warmer and um, more professional, I would like to think. There will be people listening, Becky, who think the whole thing is disgusting, the whole thing is a nonsense, and we should crack down on, on these girls that are walking the streets, we should crack down on people like you, uh, and we, we should lock you all up. Well, of course. I mean, as soon as you get involved with discussing the sex industry, things become very polarised. But we have to have a sort of an honest discussion, really, about it and accept that the demand for people seeing sex workers is doubling every 10 years. And, you know, looking at at least 5 million guys in the UK that are using ladies regularly, and you can't ignore that. You can't just pretend that's not happening and, and try to sort of get rid of it completely. Five million blokes are using prostitutes. Yeah, so, so um, statistics kind of show. And I think it's probably difficult to get very accurate statistics. But, you know, Ian, society is really changing. And if the number of people who are using sex workers is doubling every ten years, you have to ask yourself why. And I think, you know, society is becoming so much more sexualised people's lifestyles are changing and um sort of that kind of recreational sex is becoming a lot more acceptable for a lot of different people but is that necessarily a good thing is it is it a good thing that we're becoming more sexualized that we're perhaps losing our moral compass slightly not necessarily and that might seem a strange thing for somebody like me to say but i have great concerns um about especially the way our young people are becoming so much more sexualized uh, I work a lot with um, various universities and the big lotto fund and charities um, because we're seeing now a huge rise in students who are turning to the sex industry to pay their university fees. And, you know, on one side we've got so many more people wanting to use sex workers, but we've got so many more sex workers these days because of the economic climate. And I think... Um, one of the best ways to clamp down on sex workers is to provide more flexible, affordable childcare for ladies and um, more affordable housing. How do we get these women off the street, Becky? It, it, it is the police going up every you know, few weeks and uh, putting them in the back of their van. Is that going to work or do we need a different technique? 
Well, I think the police probably understand that that only works temporarily and, and, you know, as soon as the police go, the ladies all sort of pop back out again. Um, I mean, I obviously personally would rather sort of see people off the streets and not sort of upsetting residents. Um, but it, it's a very, very difficult thing because the law in this country is sort of quite grey, quite complicated. And... Um, they changed the laws a little bit over the last few years, which makes it actually more difficult for ladies to work indoors and um, makes it more difficult for ladies to work safely together. So the law is, in fact, a, a bit of a nonsense, which isn't helping anybody at all. Is there a, a chance, though, they could be in more danger if they were working off the streets? Because the, the police need to know where they are, don't they? Well, if, if you think of it this way, you know, if you're a gentleman um, and you're sort of out to cause a little bit of mischief, are you going to go and try and cause trouble in a well-organised establishment where there's probably sort of security and, and cameras? Or are you going to go and try and cause trouble on the streets down a dark alley where it's very likely that you're going to get away with it and you're not going to be seen? I mean, I, I ran houses of ill repute for over 20 years. And in 20 years or so, I only ever had one incident of, um, you know, a lady actually being sort of pushed off a bed and treated disrespectfully in my establishment. And when you compare that to every hour in the UK, four people are abused whilst they're working in retail, you know, that, that's a really big difference. But, you know, we were very, very security conscious. And if you wanted to cause trouble... We weren't the place that you came to because you knew you weren't, weren't going to get away with it. Becky, nice to talk to you again. Thanks very much for your time this morning. And you, darling. Becky Adams, former madam from Milton Keynes. Uh, Justin Dealey is in Hightown this morning, where the, the, the focus seems to be. Morning, Justin. Hello, Ian. Justin, you've been speaking to people, and uh, I think Becky's right. Perhaps we need to have a slightly more honest, open discussion about this. And if you are brave enough to call in this morning and say, yeah, I've used escorts, what's, what's the big deal? 08459 455 555. But I, I guess the argument here is, Justin, that people don't, people don't want it in their front gardens and don't want women walking up and down their streets, do they? Absolutely. And, you know, in, in, in the last year or so, we have heard some horrendous stories. What I would say, though, that, that complaints are down from 43 to 7 a month in the last year. Also, 200 arrests for curb crawling. So the police certainly making a big effort. Now, a moment ago, I spoke to Jennifer, and here's what happened. Jennifer, can you describe what it's like living in this area for us? Not very good. Not very good. It's very disappointing. I moved... I'm living in this area for five years now, and I haven't seen any improvement. It's getting worse. Because the police tell us that in the last year they've made 186 arrests for curb crawling, but, but you're still seeing prostitutes all I the time? I still see prostitutes all the time. What, every day? Every day. Every day living on the Wardown Crescent. Um, Trowbridge Gardens, especially on the Trowbridge Gardens, there's drug dealing as well. Have you spoken to the police about this? I have. I have, and the police has been to our house twice or three times and nothing's been done. But basically, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Well, the police are telling us that they are making a big difference here with, with all those arrests, but again, you're telling me something different. It's on the Wardour Crescent. There's curb crawling on the Wardour Crescent along with drug dealing. I, I shall pass that information again on to the police. police. When you see prostitutes outside your home, how does that make you feel? Angry. I'm not. I'm. I'm not. Um. Because I'm the year of the tiger, so I've got uh, an aggressive behaviour. So I can deal with them, but um, they follow you. They stalk you. 
Stalking stalking you? Yeah, yeah. So you've been offered sex by prostitutes yourself? Not, not offered sex. It's all like they want to mug you as well. So maybe they're not getting them the money. Do you not feel from... sorry for them? I pity them. But at the same time, I'm angry because I, I want to feel safe. I don't feel safe. I live on the water. I could say I don't feel safe. Thank you very much for leaving your time. All right. So the words there are Jennifer, and clearly, again, Ian, it is something that, that, that we keep on picking up on here, um, is the anger from people that they keep on going to the police, they want something done about it because they don't want prostitutes outside their home. Maybe this is it. Maybe we've been looking at... Or maybe I've been looking at this the wrong way. Maybe we do need to get it off the street because uh, a lot of these women are vulnerable. They are drug addicts. They are in horrible situations, and they're... You know, to go and do what they do for, I don't know, what, 20, 30 quid a time with a mm. bloke in the car, they've got to be in a pretty desperate situation. Well, they have, and, you know... Uh, I've I've mentioned this story before to you, um, that those that see me driving around in the morning will know that I drive a, almost like a radio truck. It's um, a branded vehicle. It says BBC Three Counties Radio on that car, clearly. Um, I have been offered services in this area for a cigarette. Now, that is how desperate the situation is. When you see these ladies, um, they don't look well at all. And me, me personally, this is just my personal view, I have got a lot of sympathy for them. It goes back to a conversation earlier in this week. A number of them are, are clearly on drugs and they're doing this to feed their addiction. I have got sympathy for them, but again, I've got sympathy for the locals as well because they don't want this problem here on their doorstep. Uh, and I suppose having organised venues where these women can go, buildings and places, the kind of women that are walking the streets won't want to go there. You would think so. I mean, it's, it's a problem that's been around for, for, for so, so many years. Um, quite how you solve it, I don't know. I don't think ever, in you're ever going to find a solution to the problem. And just in that incident with you being offered uh, services for a cigarette, I, I can only apologise. I was really desperate for a smoke. <laughs> I know you were that morning. Justin yeah. Daly, well, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. We'll speak to Justin a little bit later on in the show. Uh, if you've ever used a prostitute, what, what, why? Well, I know why. There's a ridiculous question for that, obviously. But do you think that perhaps we're being too harsh, too blinkered when it comes to prostitution? 08459 455 555. Not in any way to, to, to demean what the residents of Hightown are having to endure. I wouldn't want that kind of stuff in my street, but maybe if it was in a house at the end of the road, would that be so bad? Really? Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Quarter past seven is the travel now with Alice. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 southbound slow going between Junction 10 for Luton Airport and 7 for Hemel Hempstead. Thanks to Norbert for phoning in with an update on that. The M25 anti-clockwise busy between 21 uh, the M1 and 20 for Kings Langley. Also struggling between 18 for Chorleywood and 16 for the M40. Checking speed sensors, the A1M going south, looking slow now through the Stevenage junctions, that's 8 to 7. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice. It's coming up to 7.16. It's Thursday the 9th of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Police say the prostitute problem in one area of Luton has dramatically reduced. £56 million in unspent social and community money is being held by Hertfordshire County Council. In football, Manchester City thrashed West Ham 6-0 in the first leg of the League Cup semi-final. The weather today is rainy, clearing up later, mostly dry and bright. 
Now, how did you propose to your girlfriend or your boyfriend? There's a fella in the newspaper. He did it with bales of hay. Bales of hay? It took two hours. I don't think it's that impressive. Come on, we can do better than that. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday between 12 and 3, I'm here with a little bit of celebrity. My geography teacher at school resurrected a jazz standard song, which was Won't You Come Home, Bill Bailey. It made me dedicate myself to be trying to be better. I always felt that I wasn't quite good enough. Expert advice. Absolutely. You've got it. You've nailed it. I am so happy. Thank you. And loads of really great music. Nick Coffer. Weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Jonathan's near Hitching. Morning, Jonathan. Good morning, Ian. How are you? I'm good, thank you. You have a proposal story for me. Go on. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, basically, I'm French. Uh, my fiancé, uh, she's um, uh, from British and French to a nationality. Uh, we decided to have a weekend away in Paris. Oh. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of a bit of a tradition, yeah. really. Uh, and so we went there, um, got there on Saturday morning, had a lovely day visiting all the sites. The um, uh, And we went up the Eiffel Tower. And uh, there's, I don't know if you've ever been, actually, up there. But there's three stages, basically. Yes, I have, and we yes. Yeah, we managed to get to the 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 second stage, and um, I started giving my little bit little speech that I'd prepared and everything. Yeah. And then she started getting woozy, really, really ill, and she could feel the Eiffel Tower slightly swaying. And then I was like, "It's okay, calm down," because I was I was I was trying to propose. Yeah. And then she starts panicking and going, "The Eiffel Tower is going to come down." I was like, "Speak your phrases. It's not just going to fall down like that, you know. No. It's a big hunk of metal." Uh, but yeah, that kind of hindered my um oh. um. Uh, ability to do, but it was quite funny to see her reaction, panicking on a big massive. Lump so, did you propose to her? Did you propose to her while she was terrified, or did you get get down to the bottom of the Eiffel Tower? No, no. I, we went down, and then we. I proposed at a restaurant at two in the morning when we had dinner on the Champs Elysees. Uh, oh, so I got smoothie. down on one on one knee. Yes, well, you got to. You got you old stuff. smooth. That's better. Um, we had some fella phone up. He did it over the phone. That's ridiculous. That's not the way to do things. I also have something else, if you don't mind, with regards to the prostitution yeah, go on. Uh, that I've been listening to. Yeah, uh, basically, I heard this um, story back in, um, I think it's Switzerland. I think it's Switzerland. Well, basically, they've actually, the council have actually built areas oh. for the uh, prostitutes to actually do their work. Yes. And it's, a, it's watched the security and everything, and it's made the place a lot safer. Maybe they should take a lesson probably from um, uh, 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 Switzerland. From the Swiss. But, um, just... Jonathan, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. It's that weird thing in Amsterdam, isn't it? Where they're all in shop windows. Now that's weird. That's a step too far in t'other direction, surely. They're in shop windows. Well, and then you've got to walk into the shop. What are you going in there for? Nothing. N- nothing. All oh, right, I see, yes. A very, very odd situation. And that, that's more of a traditional way of, of proposing, isn't it, on the, on the Champs-Élysées? Not over the phone, not with bales of hay. 08459 455 555. Now, an attempt to change the law to stop people being annoying in public has been thrown out by the House of Lords, but MPs are determined to try again. 
They're convinced that injunctions to prevent nuisance or annoyance, or IPNAS, should be brought in to replace the current system of anti-social behaviour orders, ASBOs. Although civil liberties campaigners feared they could be used against people who are simply irritating, like chuggers, carol singers and Justin Dealey. Well, Colleen Atkins is the regional representative for Neighbourhood Watch, which she also founded in 1982. Did you found Neighbourhood Watch, Colleen? Um, In 1982, there wasn't a neighbourhood watch in the UK, and I was one of the first three in Bedford. No, I was one of the first three in the country to start it, and Bedford is recognised as being probably the first or or one of the very first to start. What a magnificent claim to fame. Well done, you. Do you think that ASBOs are working, the system we currently have in place? I think ASBOs are very important, and I know that in Bedford and Luton and obviously Bedfordshire that um, the, the, all the agencies that need to be involved are working very closely together and are very, very successful at it, but obviously more needs to be done. Do you think it's time to clap, we clamped down more on antisocial annoying behaviour? As I said, I think that antisocial behaviour is something that, that really needs to be tackled and is being tackled within our county. It's really important that if people are being worried, um, alarmed or they're, they're being disturbed, that they should report it through either to the police or to, or to the council. And by the council and the police working closely together and the other agencies such as social landlords and, all, and other landlords, that a difference can be made, but the most important thing is is that people do report it. I guess the problem with these proposals are that they're so vague. It, it's completely open to interpretation by the police and the council. So in one town, a busker might be perfectly accepted, but in another place they could be arrested. I think the interesting thing is is that in the Lords last night that it was the the Lords from all different parties that were agreeing together saying that it isn't right, what's being proposed isn't right yet. It may be that uh, the, the... Because the current antisocial behaviour covers a, a, a lot of um, different things and it might be better to simplify them, but it's very clear that it isn't right yet and... Um, what's being proposed needs to be looked at again. Are you happy with the way that Neighbourhood Watch works at the moment? This this would probably, um, if it went through in some form or another, would, would give you a bit more bite, wouldn't it? I think that the important thing is, is that when people do report things, that there is a system in place that works and that the agencies know what's happening. I know that in the past, some of the most serious cases has, have been is that the agencies have been working um, separately, and when I talk about agencies, I'm talking about the council, the police, um, probation, and the social landlords, that they each received separate calls and didn't talk to each other. But in Bedfordshire, we have really good systems in place where they meet regularly, they have a system in place where they exchange the information. So if it's reported to the police, then the council are immediately involved. If it's reported to the council, then the police are involved. So they know what what each other um, are doing and where the complaints are coming from. But the most important thing, and I keep stressing this, this is from the Neighbourhood Watch side and any member of the public, that if they are being um, alarmed or distressed or worried by something that is happening, they must report it because if it's not reported, then it doesn't get logged. The police and the council aren't aware of it 
and the and it it will go it will just keep on happening but if the more calls that the police and the council get then they can build up a much bigger picture and then put put um, actions in place to help to deal with it Colleen, thank you for your time this morning. Colleen Atkins is the regional representative for Neighbourhood Watch. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, A text on proposal. Uh, Scott says, I'm looking to ask my girlfriend this year. Wasn't that romantic? I don't know where I'm going to ask her. But I'm going to get a T-shirt printed for our daughter saying, Mummy, will you marry Daddy? Is that nice? I don't know if that's nice or... I have a friend who did something similar, used the kids. Yeah. Works like a charm. Well, yeah, yeah, except you shouldn't have kids. People do. I know, but... And I think that if you've got children together, it's a pretty clear sign that she'll probably say yes. Oh, really? In, in 21st century Britain? I don't necessarily think so. People always say it's just a piece of paper, but I think two kids are more of a commitment. <laughs> really, etc., etc. Kelly, hi. You were going to say something. I was, but it's gone. Can I? Can, can I, I speak? It was really good. Can I speak freely, Kelly? Yes. I don't. I, I don't think you're pulling your weight. What, what are you saying? So you've not got a lot of weight, but I don't think you're pulling your weight. I would like. I'd like you to contribute a bit more to the show. Really, you, 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 your sarcastic, laid-back comments—they're all—they're all very good, but it's not really um, target audience, and it's not really the intellectual highs mm. that I want to take this show to. I really think in 2014, for the remainder of my contract, we can really—we can really strive to achieve something intellectual. What do you mean? Tell her what you mean. Yeah, what are you saying? I want you to do more stuff. Oh, okay. I do a lot behind the scenes. Well, yeah, but no. He wants to see what you've done. Yesterday, I asked what you were doing. Were you working on the show? You said, yeah, but you were booking bands for BBC Introducing. Now, Gary Floyd can do that. You should be working on this show. I want you to go out on the streets, and I want want audio evidence that you've been out. What are you doing on the streets at this point? You you should... should. Not not, not, not Hightown. I don't don't mean that. Just when I was booking bands, you were on Facebook... Oh, just saying. Glass houses. Uh, well, listen. Uh, my work, my work is is open to display to everybody. Three hours a day, six till nine. BBC Three Counties Radio. And Hi. then some. Nice to meet you. Uh, so, I my work is pretty pretty much open. Yeah. What I would like you to do, Kelly Betts. Yeah. It. Hello, BBC Three Counties Radio. So, hang on a second. What are you doing, Catherine? She's get- hello. She's getting the call. Right. Okay. What I'd like you to do, Kelly Betts. Yeah. Is ideally for tomorrow, if not for tomorrow Monday. Mm-hmm. I'd like you to go out. Iron. No, go out and do a little bit of journalism. Do some reporting. Go out right. and talk about the big news stories of the day, OK? Would you do that? Yeah, so you want me to go out and... Uh, so this is for tomorrow. How will I know the big news stories of the day tomorrow? Just look in the just look the big news stories that are around at the moment, OK? Just go out and get them, OK? okay? Get people to talk about them. Find out what they're feeling, what they're thinking, what their fears, their hopes, their dreams are. How the news affects them. How it affects them in beds, hearts and bucks. What we can do as a radio station to, to cater to their needs and their desires. Can you do that? Yes. Promise? Um, OK. Sorted, Kath, don't worry. I'm glad I could help. Yeah, you're welcome. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Uh, Rob on Facebook says, I had it all planned in terms of proposal. The plan was to get to the top of Ben Nevis and ask the question, what? 
But no, we are both horribly ill with flu in this Scottish cottage. And with the last of my strengths on Christmas Day during Coronation Street, I managed to get down on one knee and ask. We were both looking like death warmed up. She replied with, are you joking? But then I realised that I was copying Nick off TV. She said yes. We then swiftly went back to dying on the sofa. Oh, Jeff managed to propose on top of the Eiffel Tower in Paris celebrating her birthday. And Drake says, will Justin get it written in spray tan on his chest? Oh, dear, you know him so well. Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 southbound slow between Junction 10 for Luton Airport and 7 for Hemel Hempstead. The M25 anti-clockwise slow going between 18 for Chorleywood and 16 for the M40. On the A1M southbound, still struggling through the Stevenage junctions, 8 to 7. And on public transport, Chiltern Railways have delays of up to 15 minutes possible between High Wycombe and Prince Risborough. That's after a train breakdown. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 7.30, I'm Jane Killick. Police say a crackdown on sex workers in the high town area of Luton is having a big impact. Complaints from residents have fallen from 43 a month to 7 in the last year. A helicopter carrying the Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall was forced to make an emergency landing in Buckinghamshire. The aircraft was passing Denham Aerodrome last May when it started veering to one side. Hertfordshire County Council has the most amount of unspent money designed for community and social projects. The authority is holding on to £56 million, which was given to them by developers during planning talks. The weather, rain clearing and wind easing for a drier, brighter day with a high of 10 Celsius. On to sport and in football, Alvaro Negredo scored a hat-trick as Manchester City thrashed West Ham 6-0 in the first leg of the League Cup semi-final. For West Ham, it means their miserable start to 2014 continues. Their manager, Sam Allardyce, admits he's having a tough time. It's difficult, yes. I mean, it's, you know, it's every morning waking up and every morning it's doom and gloom and every morning it's this and that. We have to accept that. That's what part of the job. It's part of what we're, we're all involved in this game for. You have to take the, the bad with the good and uh, at the moment it's not very good. Bristol Rovers are through to the third round of the FA Cup at the third time of asking, following two postponements. They scored twice in the last seven minutes of the game to beat League One side Crawley 2-1 and set up a meeting with Birmingham. In tennis, Heather Watson is through to the second round of qualifying at the Australian Open in Melbourne. She beat Australia's Arena Rodionova 6-4-6-3. I was just really nervous. I don't know I don't know why I was so nervous today. I think it's a while since I played in qualies and I expect myself to to do well and go far and I, I really like the tournament here and play well on these courts. So I think I'm kind of putting too much pressure on myself and I'm happy I got through it and I'll Sleep better tonight and play better tomorrow. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll be back with a full bulletin at eight. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Do give us a call this morning. Lots to talk about. We're talking about escorts. Now, are you brave enough? I'm getting bunged up. And I've not got my Vicks on me, which is a worrying sign. Don't worry, going into town later on, it'll be fine. 
got to pay a check in and then probably buy a coffee and then get some handkerchiefs at Marks and Spencer's. So it's uh, it's a busy morning. Anyway, uh, uh, yes. No one cares. Okay, so <laughs> what? Uh, so we're talking about escorts. Are you brave enough to phone up and admit you've used one and and and, and admit that they provide a useful service in society? Hightown, of course, has been blighted with uh, street walkers, uh, and there are curbs to crack down the curb crawling. Seems to be having an effect. If you live in the area, do let me know if it is having the effect. But we can't come down heavy-handed on prostitutes per se, can we? we? They provide a service. We can't get rid of them completely, can we? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Now, on a completely different subject, it's Fiona and Milton Keynes. Good morning, Fiona. Good morning. Fiona, what can I do for you this morning? Well, um, I live in Milton Keynes, and uh, I'm a registered user of the Plus Bus service, which is the service provided by the social services for elderly and disabled people in okay. the city. Yes. Please be patient with me. I am afflicted with a neurological condition, so this is very difficult for me to do. Okay, well... Thank you. Within reason, yes. Thank you. I understand. I I would like people to be aware there is a consultation going on at this very moment um, between Milton Keynes Council and um, the general public as regards to the future of um, pub, 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 uh, transport for for this category of people. Yes. Uh, and I would just like to, people within the Milton Keynes area to be aware and to encourage them if they are elderly or have a physical limitation and cannot use public transport, please do get in touch with the council and make inquiries. So what are they proposing? Are they proposing to get rid of it? To, to no. Oh, what are they proposing? No, no. Oh. That's what us, the users, have to give them feedback. Oh. What they're doing is the contract with the present provider finishes on the 1st of September this year. And it's been six or seven years since the service has been reviewed. Yes. And they're feeling that it's now time just to get in touch with what's, what's the vibe oh. out there. Okay. And they're wanting to know what we, the user, or we, the general public, think should be happening for the, the service. And um, it's uh, that there's several consultations. There's one already happened. We've missed that one, but there's one coming up in ja- at the end of January, and another one at the beginning of February. And um, but the consult, the comments have to be back in the council by um, the end of February. So how do people how do people give their comments, Fiona? Um, you can you can contact the Centre for Integrated Living at um, the City Church okay. in Milton Keynes. Okay. So this uh, this is an important service for you, is it, Fiona? How does it affect your life? Uh, it's an absolute lifeline. Um, unfortunately, because of my symptoms, I'm not actually able to use it very often because I, I have to live like a hermit because of my system, my symptoms. But it is an extremely valuable. It's my pair of shoes. It's my socks, even. Oh, it's, it's that it's that in, it's that important to uh, people who are who are physically limited or who are able. It is it is vital. So if you didn't have this service, d- d- tell me what your life would be like. Well, I can tell you what I, I'm speaking for those physically limited people who perhaps aren't able to do what I'm doing at the moment, talking to you. But um, my life now, because of my my symptoms, because I'm not able to get out and use it as much as I would, uh, I, I'm indoors twenty four seven. Uh, 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 and and I don't see or I spent Christmas. Let me tell you, Christmas I spent all on my own for twelve days. Oh dear! Didn't see anyone. No phone calls. Nothing. Don't you have any friends or anything, Fiona? Uh, um, I had I had a friend that popped round on Christmas Eve. Okay. 
But you haven't got any friends or family that you could have spoken to? Um, my family are otherwise engaged. Sorry, sh- I think that's a polite way of putting it. Oh, dear. Have they, have they disowned you? I can't go. I, um, it's too public. There's too okay. much information. OK. Uh, um, uh, my friends obviously have family and commitments of their own, and everybody is so busy these days. And also, when you are physically limited, people don't want to touch you with a budge. Do you know what? Isn't now that's true? That's true. Let me give a. When my mum got ill with MS, she had loads of friends. Mm. They all started to disappear. It's ma- really sad. They all started mm. to disappear. And when she got so she couldn't really do a lot at all, there are. She's got two friends. Mm. Two friends that visit her that's out me. of all the that's friends me. she had. Mm. I went to a funeral when I, well, I went to a funeral where there were my able-bodied friends there, and I was now using a wheelchair, and they all, all blanked me, and I was crying not because of the person who died, but because I realised I was d- dying a living death. Isn't isn't that weird that people do that? And I know that there, that there is an uncomfortableness when uh, people are confronted with other people's disability and with with wheelchairs and things like that. But I was thinking, if that happened to one of my best friends, that they they got some disease and ended up in a wheelchair or had an accident and and and. Could and I, w- I would I would probably go around and see them even more, I think. They'd be telling me to get lost. Um, well, unfortunately, unfortunately um, uh, in, how can I put it? My, my condition means that I have to have an awful lot of rest. I have to rest a lot. Yeah. And I, I, I belong to 2% of the population that medical science cannot help. Oh, oh dear. Um, and so because, because, because the doctors don't know, I have something organically wrong with me. But because they don't know enough about the brain, yeah. they can't tell me what it is. So people presume that my behaviour is psychological, yeah. that I'm mad. People yeah. think that I'm mad. On the JVS show, I've been called the mad cat woman. Oh, well, But yes. I'm not. I'm just physically limited with an undiagnosable condition. And I cannot, I cannot, um, this is the problem. There's, there's too big a gap between, so, so, I, we, are only, we are only physically limited, we're only disabled as much as society makes us disabled. Fiona, thank you very much for your call. An interesting point. It is, in, I'm just going off on this slight tangent, if you'll indulge me. Uh, it is interesting and sad that this, I watched it happen with my mum. Perfectly normal, fit, healthy woman, loads of friends, work friends, uh, family friends, all of this. Then as she started to get ill, all her friends kind of rallied around her, okay, when she was diagnosed with MS. Then as it started to get worse, they sort of came around a bit less, and they'd make a phone call, and then they've all disappeared. There's one couple that keep in touch, uh, my godparents, my godfather and his wife, and there's a friend that my mum had when she was at school, a woman called Terry, who's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And that's it! But isn't it the same with bereavement? Yeah. Because people don't know what to say to yep. make it better, because you can't. They well, don't say anything at all, and I, then the time goes and they can't. I think it's slightly different with bereavement. I think it is when, when someone dies, if, you're, if, if a husband dies, the people don't know what to say to the, the surviving person. So they kind of, or they, so they kind of back away from that. I don't know if it's, I don't think with, with, with disability, it's a don't know what to say. I think it's an awkwardness and almost an embarrassment for this person. There's kind of a sense of shame around it, I think. And I think it's different from bereavement, from what I've spotted anyway. I don't know. It's a tough one. What should people do? 
just carry if on. They feel awkward. Do they just say, "Look, I feel really awkward. I don't know what to say," and yeah. then then they've said something, haven't they? I think so. I think that I think that's. Uh, I, I'm beginning to get to a stage in my life where honesty is the best policy in this. This is why. <clears throat> this is why my boys. My mum lives in a home. Lots of disabled people of varying d- degrees. My boys have constantly been there from a young age, so they they have no fear about it. They have no fear of wheelchairs. They have no fear of people who drool or make sit in the corner and make noises. Your eldest is quite good on a mobility scooter. Oh, isn't he's he? brilliant. He sits on our electric wheelchair and he steers it. And what's great as well, last time we were out to see my mum, uh, he kind of whispered, he said, Daddy, is it, is it lunchtime for Nanny Linda? Said, yeah, it is. Can I help feed her? And he sits there, because she can't feed herself, he sits there and he feeds her. Christmas Day, he sat and he fed her her lunch. Wonderful. Wonderful. That's what we need. Mm. It's a weird one. Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. We're going off on a slight tangent, but indulge me, please. If this has happened to you, if you, you or a friend or a relative has, has been afflicted by some disease or had an accident or something has happened, there has been a change in your circumstances and you've noticed your friends and your family kind of just backing away a bit to the point where they've disappeared, do give me a call. Because I find it incredible. I'm so... Well, I'm, I'm not even annoyed with my mum's ex-friends anymore. I've kind of gotten over it really. But uh, for a long time I had a lot of resentments around them. These people that were really good friends. Then they all naffed off. 08459 455 555. It's a strange phenomenon. Peter's in Warmer Green. Morning, Peter. Morning. Peter, what, what were you, you've called in about this. What well, have you... uh, yeah, I mean, I'm quite often sticking up for the underdog, really, most of my life, really. And uh, I notice in the supermarkets, if there's someone disabled in a chair, there's very few people ever say good morning or anything to the person in the chair. They might talk to the person pushing the chair occasionally, but they are very rarely talk to the people in the chair. I've had that. I've had that when I've been out with my mum. Yeah, uh, and, it, and I find it appalling. It, it just takes a second to say hello, good morning, or whatever. Yeah. And uh, th- at least you're showing interest, you know? I mean, I've, I, as I just said to you, I stick out for the underdog. And on several occasions... I've been called a left-wing socialist. So, not so- that I am. <laughs> yeah, sorry? Not that I am. You commie. Yes. But, no. but I, no one ever calls me a right-wing conservative. Now, could your what? readers explain to me why that is? Readers? <laughs> Well, uh, I, I, I don't know if they could, Peter. It's one of the great mysteries of the world. Peter, <laughs> b- before you go, what, what do you think of my show? I like Ian Lee's programme. Excellent. Well, Peter, that's great to know. Thank you very much indeed. Good lad. I've had that out with my mum. What would she like? Uh, Sorry? What would she like? I remember taking her to the opticians. The optician said, uh, so what what kind of glasses is your mum after? I don't know. She sat there. I'm going to go next door. You can have a chat with her. Been to the hospital with her recently. And it was interesting. There were two. We saw saw one doctor and we saw another doctor. First doctor spoke to me. The whole point. Uh, Okay, fair enough. Second doctor ignored me, pulled his chair right up close, sat in front of my mum and looked straight at her and talked to her and occasionally looked over to me. Now, that, that was wonderful. 08459 455 555. It's something we can talk about this morning. It's also something that might bear uh, a little bit of investigation in the future. If, if you or a loved one has uh, been afflicted by some kind of condition or an accident or something that has significantly changed your mobility or your mental capacity... Uh, have you noticed your friends and family kind of backing off a little bit and disappearing a little bit? Significantly. I, I find it so odd, and I've heard it from lots of other people, find it so odd. 
I've got an uncle, right? Got an uncle, one of my favourite, favourite uncles. Since my mum has been in the home uh, four years, he's not visited her once. Now, I'm sure he's got his reasons why he refuses to do that. He's not visited her once. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. We can also talk as well about this morning, uh, your proposals. How did you propose to your, uh, your wife, your husband? Uh, there's a story in the newspaper. This fella, he proposed with bales of hay. And, you know, it, it, it's kind of cute... You know, he's written, will you marry me, and bales of hay. But part of me thinks it's a little bit lame. There are better... Me, I did it in Japan. I had the ring. I got permission from the parents. We went and stayed in this amazing hotel in Japan. Boy, was it expensive. We could only afford one night in this hotel. Then we went back to slightly uh, cheaper places. And then buy a lake, Lake Kawaguchiko, if you're interested, buy a lake at the foot of uh, Mount Fuji, late at night, I got down on one knee. That's how you do it, isn't it? That's how you propose to someone. We had a fella calling up earlier in the show. He did it over the phone. Uh, Stephen says, I popped the question last month on the Pont des Arts Bridge in Paris. The floor of the bridge is similar to a pier. My girlfriend was so scared to put the ring on in case it fell through the gap and into the Seine that it must have looked like she blew me out and said no. So we had to walk off it for her to put the ring on. It turned out OK. BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting with a look at the speed sensors, the A6 southbound looking very slow approaching the Clop Hill roundabout and the M1 southbound still slow going between 10 for Luton Airport and 7 for Hemel Hempstead. The M25 anti-clockwise busy between Junction 21 for the M1 and 20 for Kings Langley. On public transport, Chiltern Railways have delays of up to half an hour possible between Marylebone and Princess Risborough. That's after a train's broken down. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. I've just, <laughs> I've just got a tweet from Scott. My best mate at school was brought up by his elderly nan. She had a stair lift. He had loads of friends because everyone wanted to use it. Those stair lifts, they are fun. Right, 7.46, it's Thursday the 9th of January. I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A crackdown on prostitutes in the high town area of Luton is said to be having a big impact. Mechanical failure caused a helicopter... Ca- I'm, still, I'm still laughing about the stairlift. Mechanical failure caused a helicopter carrying Prince Charles and Camilla to make an emergency landing in Buckinghamshire. And in football, the MK Dons defender, John Otzenbohr, has left the club by mutual consent. 08459 455 555. Here's the weather with Elizabeth. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you. We had some showers around. They've now pushed off out to the east for the most part. Still a few dribs and drabs of wet weather across parts of Hertfordshire. I think from uh, from now on it should be mostly dry. We might just see a few stray showers around this morning, but mostly dry, brightening up quite nicely. Some sunny spells around, particularly this afternoon. We've still got that fairly brisk westerly wind that's going to be with us for much of the rest of the day. Top temperatures a little bit lower than they have been recently at around 8 or 9 degrees Celsius. Overnight tonight, 
tonight, uh, largely dry, clearing skies. We'll see temperatures dip just low enough for a touch of frost into tomorrow morning, so a chilly start. Again, tomorrow dry during the daylight hours, some spells of sunshine. We'll see some outbreaks of mostly light rain on Friday night into Saturday, but the weekend is looking dry. It's also looking a little bit chillier. That's the forecast. If you've missed any of the programmes from the last week, you've missed things like this. The next hour, I'll be taking you on the journey of One Bedfordshire Charities Challenge to form a choir in only eight weeks. But there is a way you can hear it all again. It's going to be quite difficult and we're not really going to know until we sing, I guess. Go to bbc.co.uk slash three counties and click on listen again. Amy, you did it. You sang your solo and there wasn't a dry eye in the house. <laughs> Singing for chums. bbc.co.uk slash three counties. We had a call about 15 minutes ago from Fiona um, uh, in Milton Keynes. She was, was calling basically to say that uh, there is uh, um, uh, an inquest, that's the wrong word, a hearing, that's the wrong word. Consultation, that's the right word. Thank you, Catherine, whispering it in my ear. Uh, into the uh, mobility... I can't speak, Catherine! What, what's, what was she phoning in about? Disabled transport. It's been provided by one yes. contract giver for a while. Yes. They just want to make sure everything's OK before they proceed. That's what I was thinking. I just couldn't get those words out. And we kind of went off on an interesting tangent, which I'm, I'm more than keen to uh, pursue this morning. She said because of her disability, uh, it involves her being in a wheelchair and it's neurological, uh, she was alone over Christmas for 12 days. And that her her family and her friends, because of her disability, primarily, don't talk to her. She doesn't have any anymore. And I have personal experience of this with my, my poor mum. Most of her friends have naffed off. There are a couple really good friends that have stayed, uh, stayed the course. Well done them. And it's an odd one, isn't it? An odd one. If it's happened to you, can you give me a call? Also, on the flip side, if you've kind of backed away from a friend because they have changed for whatever reason, or because of a, a condition. They have become different. Why? I'm, I'm not going to have a go. You're not going to judge you. I'm just keen to find out why. Steve the Melky's called. Morning, Stephen. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, Steve. What's your take on this? I'd like to know where you lot live, because I want to go there, because every time I take my missus out shopping, it takes me forever, because everybody and anybody just stops and talks to her. Really? What's wrong with your missus? She's got the dreaded MS. Oh, man. Isn't it, isn't it a horrible disease? So, oh, it, it's just... It's, I, don't, I don't know how she copes with it. She's gone from in space of six years from being able to walk around as normal wants to be. Now she she can't do anything, really. She's in, she's in a wheelchair most of the time. And when she walks around the house, she's got to hold on to something. Yeah. The only the only bonus is that if I will follow her upstairs, I get to watch her bum for quite a while because she takes so long. <laughs> well, that's, that, I'm sure it's a wonderful bum. Uh, so she, so when you go out in the shop, she's in a wheelchair, is she? Yeah. yeah. And what, people are coming up and talking to her? All the people she knows, she knows like everybody, because we live in Letchworth and she's lived there all her life. She knows so many people. So they all they all come up and talk to her. Just the ones that annoy her come up, come up and say, oh, what have you done? I said, dear me. Then you have to go through the old spiel yet again. And are they, f- they're friends of her, I'm assuming? Yes. Okay. And do, do, do you see them socially? as much. Do they still come round the house and, and things like that? They don't speak, a few of them do, but they're not that sort of close end right. of like school, people she knew from school okay, and, okay. and from different different work and, and all that sort of stuff. 
But she still gets people come around. She and she's always blooming going out. I can't keep hold of the woman. Well, well, maybe you should take the hint, Stephen. <laughs> How did you propose to your missus? Uh, I don't know. What? I can't remember. But I, what I can remember is that after before we got married, because yeah. she didn't, she got diagnosed not not long before we got married. She turned to me and said, "Look, if you want to go now, you can go because." of what's going to come. I thought, well, that wouldn't make me much of a man, really, would it? She but gave you the maybe, option to maybe. walk out before you got married because of her diagnosis? Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, she, she knew what was coming. But it's, it's silly because with MS, nobody knows what's coming. Well, that's the thing. And if any, By the way, if anybody's being diagnosed with MS, don't be afeared by what Stephen and I are banging on about. Some people, they, they can live perfectly normal, wonderful lives with barely a, a hint of, of what's going on. So it, it, it is a very random thing. But I'm guessing, Stephen, you would have looked into MS, as I did when, when she was diagnosed. You would have known the possibilities of, of what could potentially happen. Now, be honest. At any point, did you think, actually... This isn't for me, and, I, and uh, maybe getting out is a good idea. No, never. Not once. Not once. No. I love the woman, no matter what she's got. She might annoy me to hell sometimes, but I still love her. Stephen, lovely to talk to you this morning, mate. Thank you very much indeed. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. It's a tough one. You get engaged to someone, they're physically fit. Before the wedding, they get diagnosed with something like that, a debilitating disease. She says to him, right, well, if, if you want to move out, Steve, I won't think any less of you. Oh, it's a tough one, isn't it? Isn't it? Or is it? Is it straightforward and easy? If you love someone, I know, if my wife got ill, I'd be there. It'd be depressing. Disappointing. Disappointing in that that's what had, had the cards that she and I had been dealt, but I'd be there. Of course I would. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Now. Hertfordshire County Council has the most amount of unspent money designed for community and social projects out of all local authorities. It's holding on to £56 million in Section 106 money, which has been given to them by developers to make new homes schemes more attractive. The money can be used to help fund roads, parks and youth services and pieces of public art. Well, Stephen Giles Medhurst is the leader of the Lib Dems on Hearts County Council. He joins me now. Morning, Stephen. Good morning. Stephen, you're not happy about this, are you? Why not? Uh, not so much not happy about the £56 million. What particularly irks me uh, is the money that has already been returned to developers that, uh, that the County Council has received over the last five years. Uh, I highlighted this problem several times, including forcing a scrutiny review in uh, 2010, and yet more money has been returned to developers since then. The county council has not got its act in order. Now, in terms of the £56 million, if they're earmarked for particular projects and they're going to be spent on those projects for the benefit of the community, that's fine. But what worries me and continues to worry me is about a million pounds of money at risk where those agreements, because they're time-related, are due to expire. Now, well, that could go back to developers, and that's their profit. About, I think about £700,000 has been uh, returned, hasn't it, by Hearts County Council. What, why does it have to be returned? What are the rules? Well, the legal agreement signed up with the developers that if you don't spend it in a particular period of time, either five, six, seven years, uh, then that money is basically the developer's money. Now, that's a long period of time, and any council officers and councillors should be able to identify schemes to the benefit of the community, either library projects, improved schools, new roundabouts, cycle lanes, that the money should have been spent on. 
I guess th- th- this money has to be spent on very specific things, though, doesn't it? You can't just say, oh, we- we've got, uh, got £50,000, we can do what we want with it. It has to go on specific things. Is I that guess, right? That is, that is quite right, and that's the way the wording of the legal agreements will be, which will vary from site to site. Uh, you know, but for instance, there's been money returned uh, in decorum, money specifically allocated for primary and youth projects, improving libraries and improving schools. Now, you can't say that there's not a single uh, library or a single school in decorum that couldn't have been improved with that sort of money. The same way that money's been returned in St Albans, which was due for a, a roundabout scheme. Now, again, you know, people can't get their act together and officers can't get their act together in five years to design and actually allocate that money then perhaps they should be doing something else. This money that they're currently sitting on, that, that is, is due to, uh, that, that could possibly be sent back, w- what should be done with it, Stephen? How, what, what's the best use for it? Well, it should be spent on the schemes that residents expect it to be spent on, because these normally be controversial planning decisions. Uh, money's been uh, acquired from developers, and quite rightly so, to improve schools, libraries, roads, parks and open spaces. And then those projects need to be alloc- uh, need to be identified, and the money spent in that time frame. There should be no need to return a single penny of money to developers. These are money money that the community expects to be spent in the community. Whose fault is this, Stephen? Who's who's in the wrong here? It, it, the county council is definitely in the wrong here. They should not have allowed this to occur. And what irks me is we have spotted this before. It's, this is not the first time this has been raised on the BBC. Uh, this was raised back in 2010. There was a formal scrutiny review. A whole range of new procedures were put in place, and it's still happening. That is disgraceful. Stephen, thank you for your time. Stephen Giles Medhurst, leader of the Lib Dems on Hearts County Council. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Lots to talk about this morning. No-one's been brave enough to phone in and say, yep, I use escorts and prostitutes. What's your problem, Governor? They provide a useful and valuable service to society. We spoke to Madame Becky earlier on, who used to be um, an escort in Milton Keynes. She's now an author, uh, I I believe. And uh, there is a good argument for kind of legalising it. Well, maybe not. But having safe places. But would it help places like Hightown, where there are women walking the streets? Because those kind of girls, they, they normally have drug problems. They're normally in pretty dire situations. Would having a house at the end of the road where they could go, or a block of flats, or an office, an office? Wow. Would that really change the situation there? 08459 555. On the strength of this... Sorry, I'm sniffing a little bit now. I'm getting bunged up. I need to try and find me Vicks. Where the hell is my Vicks? Uh, on the strength of the gentleman in the newspaper who has uh, proposed via Bales of A, how have you proposed to someone... And we had a great call from Fiona, who was calling in about one thing, and we ended up going on a, a slight tangent, as we often do, which is the best way to go, I think. Uh, where d- d- Stop typing things on my screen while I'm trying to write, Kelly Betts. For are goodness. you trying to write? Well, I'm trying to what talk. What are you writing? You're distracting me. Are you uh, a novelist? <laughs> no, you're an idiot. It's, Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, on the subject of if you or a friend or a relative has, has become disabled or been affected by some kind of condition, have you find your friends and your family disappearing 08459 455 555 you can text 81333 start your text 3CR or you can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR Travel news for beds cards and bugs BBC Three Counties Radio the M25 anti-clockwise very slow between 18 for Chorleywood and 16 for the M40 
The M1 London bound slow after an accident which is now on the hard shoulder between 6A for the M25 and 6 for Watford. Also, speed sensors looking very slow around Junction 11 for Dunstable Road on the M1. Public Transport Chiltern Railway have delays of up to half an hour possible between Marlebone and Prince's Risborough after a train broke down. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much indeed. It turns out Kelly was typing something vaguely interesting on the screen, weren't you, Kelly? How would you like to be proposed to? With spaghetti letters. And? And an egg underlined in sausages. And? Exclamation mark in beans. There we go, you see. Isn't she classy? Wow! How were you proposed to? Was it a disappointment? We'll find out more after the news and sport with Jane Killick. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's eight o'clock. I'm Jane Killick. The headlines. Police action reduces prostitutes in one area of Luton. A helicopter carrying Prince Charles made an emergency landing in Buckinghamshire, an increasing concern for missing Leighton Buzzard Man. BBC Three Counties Radio. Police say a crackdown on sex workers in the High Town area of Luton is having a big impact. Complaints from residents have fallen from 43 a month to seven in the last year. Special Constable Matthew Statham says the approach is also deterring curb crawlers. When we started the operation, you'd probably expect to deal with about six or seven curb crawlers uh, a night um, as the year's gone on numbers have dropped down to perhaps one or two a night and um, sometimes not any at all purely because of uh, the curb crawlers i think are aware of the police presence in the area figures released in the last half hour show disappointing christmas sales figures for some of the uk's major retailers marks and spencer suffered its 10th quarter in a row of falling sales for general merchandise and harvard based tesco reported uk sales also fell by a higher than anticipated level as did the supermarket morrisons which blamed difficult market conditions A helicopter carrying the Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall was forced to make an emergency landing in Buckinghamshire. The aircraft was passing Denham Aerodrome last May when it started veering to one side. Lee Agnew has the details. The aircraft was on its way to a festival in Wales when the pilot realised there was something wrong with its controls. He managed to land safely and the royal couple made it to their destination by car three hours behind schedule. A spokesman for the royal family described the landing as quite a hairy incident. Accident investigators say the problem was caused by a metal ball splitting in half, which is used in the machinery to control the helicopter. Hertfordshire County Council has the most amount of unspent money designed for community and social projects. The the authority is holding on to £56 million in Section 106 money, which has been given to them by developers during planning talks. The figure obtained under a Freedom of Information request is almost double that of Milton Keynes, which has £29 million. The head of the Metropolitan Police will meet community leaders this morning to address concerns about the death of Mark Duggan, who was shot by officers in 2011. Mr Duggan's family have condemned an inquest which concluded he was lawfully killed. There's increasing concern for a man from Leighton Buzzard who was last seen on New Year's Day. Neil Devlin was last seen leaving a friend's house after spending the day at the pub. The 36-year-old has learning difficulties and lives near the River Oozel. His friend Chelsea Isles says she fears the worst. He's a lovely person and it is very sad. I find it quite heartbreaking. I'm like losing sleep over it. I'm waking up thinking there's been bad news. I just want him to come home. It is sad. 
In football, the MK Dons defender John Otsemibor has left the club by mutual consent. The fullback recently returned from a loan spell at Tranmere and is no longer needed at the club. The weather, showery outbreaks of rain soon clearing to give a drier and brighter day with a high of 10 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Three minutes past eight, it's Thursday, the 9th of January. We're nearly at the end of the first week of the full week of work. Oh my goodness. Falling apart already. Still lots to cram in the last hour of the show, including... This time last year, Luton Borough Council vowed to take prostitutes off the town streets within five years. A radical promise. Well, we'll find out how it's getting on. How did you pop the question? One bloke has been spelling things out in bales of hay. Great idea if you want to marry a rabbit. Well, how did it happen for you? We had a great call from Fiona. Fiona's disabled. And, well, she spent 12 days of Christmas alone friends and family have kind of backed away. I have a similar experience. When my mum got ill, all her friends disappeared apart from a couple. Has it happened to you? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, we've been talking about this section 106. It's a little bit complicated. Basically, uh, councils get paid money by uh, developers when they're building things, but this money has to be spent on specific things. Hearts County Council is holding on to £56 million in this money. Matthew's in Northampton. Good morning, Matthew. Hi, good, good morning, Ian. Matthew, what would you like to say about this? Um, I'd just like to say, I've, I've been working for a developer for, for many years and uh, been involved in section 106 agreements that we have to enter into uh, mainly to, to gain plan, planning in most occasions. So you're almost buying planning approval and the council stipulate what uh, they want this money for, for education contributions or library contributions or, or policing, which is fair enough because you have an extra demand on the on the area from developments. But yeah. uh, uh, increasingly they're, they're throwing extra things which uh, it doesn't surprise me that uh, they haven't spent the money because they've got so many applications coming in and they've got so much money that they ask for that uh, actually as a business you need to, to push it through so you just accept it. So effectively the land landowner's losing out because the money's taken from his profits and then of course the developer's Often he has to sort of absorb that through his profit, so that goes on the cost of a house as well. So yeah. um, inevitably, the person that bought the house is probably end, ended up footing the bill anyway. So it's, it's co- so there's a housing shortage, but and houses are getting more expensive. New ones partly because of this section 106. Well, it's, it doesn't help, um, but you know the, the councils when they ask for this money, they don't have projects set aside for the right. money. They just ask for it and say. 
well, we'll look at a project, and if we don't spend it in seven years, you can have it back. Well, Matthew, we've got to end it there, but thank you. So they're just asking for the hell of it, basically, which seems like a ridiculous idea. Thank you. 08459 455 555. Now, a story we've been following. A year after a promise to eliminate street prostitution in the whole of Luton, within five years, police have been checking up on the situation in the worst-hit area, Hightown. The council made the rather ambitious plan in response to pressure from residents campaigning for something to be done about people openly having sex and taking drugs in their neighbourhood. Well, Ollie Martins is the police commissioner for Bedfordshire, joins me in the studio. Good morning, Ollie. Morning, Ian. You were uh, on the operation last night in Hightown. What happened? How did it go? Uh, well, it's, uh, I think it's the second time that I've been out with officers in, in Hightown, and I've got to say it was... as. I mean, there's still a problem there, so we're not we're not complacent about mm. the challenge that we face. But it does seem that the the police presence and the partnership working that's going in behind the scenes with the council of drug and alcohol workers and so on uh, is starting to make a difference. And I mean, I've heard you um, report the statistic that complaints from residents are down from 43 a month to seven a month. You know, so I think we can see even from the residents' point of view, we're starting to make progress. Devil's advocate, if if I may be, that's my job. Uh, I, I, we've often heard that complaints are down because people feel it's it's there's no point in complaining they're not listened to what would you say to that no i think the the evidence is that you know what people are saying to the officers that they come into contact with at public meetings and so on mm. is that they are seeing a real difference you're getting feedback that this is actually yeah, happening yeah, yeah that's right uh, your funding you you were responsible for funding the crackdown on street workers is it is it expensive uh well mm. not quite right i mean this okay. is this is an operational issue um, I mean, it's something that I've said is a priority and there's, uh, you know, from my point of view, there's an enduring commitment to making sure that we are there for the long haul. Because, I mean, I think what we've seen in the past is that there's been a short-term blitz which has suppressed the problem mm. but not dealt with it. And then after a while, it just bubbles all bubbles up again. Um, what we're doing now is pursuing a long-term strategy, which means that the police are there for the long haul, as are the partners like the local authority and so on. Uh, and we're tackling the underlying problem by working with the sex workers. I was going to say, what help is being offered to, the, to these women that are, that, are, that are doing this? Well, as you, uh, as I heard you say earlier, um, a lot of the problem is driven by drug addiction. Um, so there's a lot of support being offered around that. And as I say, that's about tackling the underlying problem, which is driving these people to be in the sex trade in the first place. Mm. So, and, and so help is being offered to, to get them clean yeah, and straighten them yeah, out a little yeah, bit. That's, I mean, there's wraparound support that's being offered. <laughs> is there a danger with this that, that, that you, you focus on Hightown, but it just gets squeezed out, you know, half a mile down the road and these, 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 well, these problems again, pop I up think, elsewhere? I think that's why it's important to tackle the underlying issue. Um, so, you know, what I found uh, on one of my trips out is that, um, you know, the police area in which they operate, um, they'll they'll start going out a bit further if they're not finding anyone. And mm. if so, you know, they'll find if that displacement is happening. Um, but, you know, I think the, the important message to get out, certainly to the, the curb crawlers, um, is that if you are a curb crawler and you go to Hightown or you come to Luton, then expect to get your collar mm. felt because, mm. you know, this operation is running. As I say, there's an enduring commitment to keep it running. 
um, and that's going to be the position, and we are going to tackle this. Well, it, it would appear that things are, things are working. I know we've, we've talked about this several times on here, so well done. You, you came on and you made the commitment. You're sticking to it. Uh, Justin Daly, Justin, you're in Hightown, is that right? Yes, I mean, in, as, as you mentioned, their complaints are down. There have been yep. 186 arrests in the last year for curb crawling, but I've got to be honest this morning, the locals that I've been speaking to, they are not happy. Okay. I have seen prostitutes working this morning. When I say this morning, I am talking 7.15 in the morning. 7.15? in the morning. Yes, absolutely. So people Gosh, are walking wow. to work. Uh, Hightown, just behind the train station, they are walking to work and they are walking past prostitutes. So I think it'll be interesting for Ollie to hear this. Okay. Uh, here's what the local residents had to say to me this morning. Well, it's very early in the morning. Can you just describe what you've just witnessed, please, madam? <laughs> I just saw a lady on the corner in shorts. Um, very short shorts. I don't know what it's about, to be honest. How does that make you feel when you say that? Oh, very demeaning. Very sad extremely sad. I'm living in this area for five years now and I haven't seen any improvement. It's getting worse. Because the police tell us that in the last year they've made 186 arrests for curb crawling but, but you're still seeing prostitutes all I the time? I still see prostitutes all the time. What, every day? Every day. Have you spoken to the police about this? I have. I have. And the police has been to our house twice or three times and nothing's been done. Morning, sir. How often are you seeing prostitutes still in the Hightown area? Uh, I see them, you know, regular. They're around there, you know, seven days a week, you know, of, of the evenings. Yeah, definitely. Again, lots of people in the area having their say this morning. Sir, you've just seen the prostitute on that street corner, yeah, literally 100 yards that. away. Has she approached you for sex before? Uh, yes. Yes. She approached me for she asked me for a cigarette. Then after that, she come to the point. Uh, this and better. But I don't... Uh, there, uh, waste my time for that. I just, just. When you're living in this area. You're walking to work this morning. Yeah. You are seeing that. Yeah. How does that make you feel? Oh, I feel it very bad, you know, because we don't expect in the early morning this kind of stuff. I know. When the police comes here for that one two weeks, it's okay. After that, again, they come. The same people come here and start the same routine. I'm seeing this uh, for for the last six seven months here. As somebody who lives in Hightown, in the last year, have things improved? Slightly. I wouldn't say amazingly, because um, there's still girls up there. It's our, well, I don't really like it down here. And I'm looking to move out of this area because of it. But, yeah, it could get better. It should get better, and they should do more about it. OK, so a slight improvement. But, again, because of the situation here, you want to leave this area. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's not nice at all. Have you got children? No, that's exactly... <laughs> I'm planning to, so as soon as I do, I don't want to be here. No. And when you see... Uh, again, she's just up there. Yeah. When you're seeing that... Knowing that you're living in this area, what kind of goes through your mind? Have you got sympathy for them at all? Partly I feel sad because I think what's made you get to this stage. Um, and also I just think, well, what are they doing to kind of help people in those dire situations? Uh, Justin, I can see both sides of this. I've, I can't help but feel d- incredibly sorry for that poor woman who, f- who feels she has to do that at quarter past seven in the morning. But also, if I lived on that street, I- I- I'd be pretty angry. Absolutely. It's a tough I mean, one, isn't it? We have heard some horrendous stories, but I think, you know, this morning as a human being, somebody who, who would like to describe myself as a caring human being, you've got to look beyond what you're seeing this morning. You've got to have 
have sympathy for these people. That lady turning up this morning, she was there on a street corner wearing, as that lady describes, very short shorts. She is there at 7.15 in the morning, commuters walking past her, and she's had to do that for, for whatever reason, feeding her drug habit. She is having to do that. That, for me, is just absolutely desperate. Justin, thank you. Hopefully we'll speak to you before the end of the show. Ollie, you the residents there, uh, a slight improvement, th- they're saying. Yeah, well, I'm not sat here saying that we've solved the problem. You know, what I'm saying is we need to be pursuing a long-term solution, and that's what we're committed to doing. Mm. And it's a five-year plan, we're a year in. How can you help a woman like that? I feel so sorry for her. Yeah, I mean, it is it is tragic, I, I agree. But, uh, you know, the... As I've described, um, I think what's important is that we don't just have the police there cracking down on the curb crawlers. We've got the support to the sex workers themselves, mm. and we're trying to tackle the underlying problem, not just the symptom, which is the sex um, work that you see going on on the streets. Uh, Ollie, the final quick question, if I may. You met with uh, your local MPs and Home Office Minister Damien Green this week about funding. Mm-hmm. How did that go? We know that funding is a big issue for police forces across yeah. the country. How did that go? Well, I didn't go to the meeting expecting to come away with, um, you know, uh, an answer. But I think what it was was a very good opportunity for us uh, Bedfordshire um, MPs and representatives, uh, police commissioner and chief constable, to get across just what our plight is. Um, I was very pleased that all six of our MPs turned up to support me in that. Um, and I think we did a pretty good job of getting the argument across. You hope that you might get some more money or at least a, a, a reduction in the cuts that are being made? I'm encouraged that the Minister understands the predicament that we face, yeah. OK. And also, the final question if I can before you go. Beds, please. Subject to a number of IPCC investigations. Apparently you were referred to the IPCC by your own Chief Constable over the death of Leon Briggs. What, why were you referred? What was that about? I'm afraid I'm going to have to dodge that particular bullet. Um, What I will say is that the facts aren't quite as they've been presented in the media, but there is a process that has to be gone through, and I'll be happy to... You know, I'm not not dodging accountability and transparency, but there's a process that has to be gone through, and I'll be happy to talk further once that process... You didn't leak information to the Home Office that you shouldn't have done? As I say, uh, not everything has been reported, but I'll be happy to talk about it when we've got to the end of the process. Ollie, always nice to see you. Thank you very much for coming in. It's 8.16, it's BBC Three Counties Radio. If you want to give me a call, 08459 455 555. Very quickly, we've got a text on this before we go to the travel. Uh, My mother is 19, she's got cancer. My friends have all disappeared and some neighbours even ignore us. Disability is not catching. We all need each other. We'll talk about that more in a second. Catherine in Hemel, thank you for that. It's 8.16. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Problems ongoing on the M1 southbound after an accident, which is slow between 6 for the M25 and 5 for Watford. On the M25 itself, anti-clockwise struggling between 18 for Chorleywood and 16 for the M40. In Denham, the A40 heading eastbound, queuing between the Denham roundabout and Gypsy Corner. On public transport, Chiltern Railway have delays of up to half an hour between Marlebone and Princess Risborough after a train broke down. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thanks very much indeed. 
8.17. It's Thursday, the 9th of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Police say the prostitute problem in one area of Luton has dramatically reduced. £56 million in unspent social and community money is being held by Hertfordshire County Council. In football, Manchester City thrashed West Ham 6-0 in the first leg of the League Cup semi-final. The weather today, rain clearing, they're mostly dry and bright. BBC Three Counties Radio. After three of our local teams win FA Cup action last weekend. Stevenage just surely through to the fourth round of the FA Cup. It's Patrick Bamford in his final game in an MK Dons shirt who equalises. And it's Sean Murray who gets the golden goal in the FA Cup for the Hornets. It's back to the league. On Saturday, Three Counties Sport brings you live commentary on Watford, MK Dons and Stevenage. Plus, there's more live cup commentary because Luton are in FA Trophy action away to Cambridge. Luton Town get their reward for an excellent start here at Kenilworth Road. Choose your local team Saturday from 2 with Three Counties Sport. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's a call from Fiona earlier on, and we discovered that she spent uh, Christmas pretty much on her own. She's ill, in a wheelchair, got a neurological condition. All her friends and family have basically, well, they've naffed off. Happened to my mum. There's very few people that stay uh, in touch. It's crazy that it happens, and I don't quite know why it happens. Phil has texted in, 81333, starting his text 3CR. Our dad contracted bacterial meningitis last year. And after two weeks in intensive care and seven weeks on a ward, is now slowly recovering. Many friends and neighbours have rallied around him and us, including a visit from someone he worked with 30 years ago. Perhaps you get the support from friends you deserve, depending on what sort of friend you've been in the past. Well, Phil, I think that's a little bit, um, I think that's a little bit unfair. You're kind of hinting that my mum has not been a particularly good friend. I don't think that's the case at all. Sarah's in Long Crendon. Morning, Sarah. Morning, Ian. Sarah, you've got examples of this, have you? Oh, uh, yeah, unfortunately I have. Um, we, um, my, my husband and I had a very, 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 very close friend called David who um, sadly suffers from severe depression. Um, and not just his family, but his friends as well. Kind of slugged off out of his life as, as his depression got worse. Um, my husband and I supported him for as much as we could. Um, as, as, um, and for as long as, as, as he needed it. And unfortunately, um, 18 months ago, what we were doing wasn't enough and David killed himself. Um, and I kind of think that maybe if maybe one more person had stuck to him who, who were more local than we were, maybe, maybe we wouldn't have lost this wonderful man. Um, and secondly, my mother um, has just been diagnosed with terminal cancer. Um, she was diagnosed in September. Um, and again, from being a stalwart of the village that she lived in, people always being in the house, can you do this, can you do that? Um, she gets no visitors at all anymore. When we went down at Christmas to, to see her, she actually said that she was lonely. Why, why does that happen, do you think? Is it because people are afraid? Is it because people don't know what to say? Why? That's a very good question. If I had an answer to it, then maybe everything would be an awful lot nicer for people who are in this situation. I think some of it is fear. I think some of it is almost, it's catching. 
Um, and I think sometimes it just can't be bothered-itis. It's too much to, to take on because people have busy lives and, uh, and also it, it's not their business. It, I think there's lots and lots of different reasons, but I don't think any of them are right. Sarah, thanks very much for your call. It's this really strange thing. And if you've, if you've been the friend that stopped visiting, could you give me a call? I'm not going to have a go at you or judge you. I'm, I'm curious to find out why. Maybe, maybe you don't realise that you have stopped visiting them. In, in some kind of twisted way, that makes sense. 08459 455555. Alex says, Ian, whilst not a disability, when my wife and I found out we were childless, friends with children stopped talking to us or we would not get invited to parties where children would be. It was almost like they were afraid it was contagious. We ma- both now work with children professionally and voluntarily and we've also been foster carers. It's along with this home where my mum is. So many people there... Don't get visitors. You kind of ask, where's, where's the, her, the, her friends? Where's her family? Oh, they don't come and visit her. Sorry, what? Yeah, they don't come and visit. It just seems like such an odd thing. I'd love to, to find out wh- why. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call on that. Now, here's something. It's a little bit tricky to get your head around, so bear with me, OK? Hertfordshire County Council has the most amount of unspent money designed for community and social projects out of all local authorities. It's called Section 106 money, OK? Now, Hearts County Council is holding on to £56 million in this Section 106 money, which has been given to them by developers to make new home schemes more attractive. Now, the money can be used to help fund roads, parks, youth services, even pieces of public art. Well, Derek Ashley is in charge of finance at Hearts County Council. Morning, Derek. Hello, good morning. Derek, why are you holding on to so much money, which is supposed to be spent on the community? Well, of course, it will all be spent on the community. And uh, can I say, first of all, how much I welcome the BBC publicising these figures, because it it does actually demonstrate how successful we've been in Hertfordshire in obtaining contributions from developers. Um, A lot of this money is held for some considerable time because um, many of the amounts are quite small, and can't actually be spent on individual schemes. So, for example, if there's a very small housing development of a few houses, you might get a few hundred pound. And this is aggregated together so we can actually develop um, uh, a decent uh, plan to spend the money. Um, Some of the money, for example, comes in for sustainable transport, and if it's just a few hundred pound, we will hold on to that and aggregate it together till we've got several tens of thousands so we can put into effect a scheme, for example, to remodel um, a station forecourt. Which but there's, there's a time limit on how long you can hold the money, isn't oh, there? Oh, yes, there is indeed, and it, and it all gets spent within the time limit. And there's also it, it doesn't all get spent, does it? It doesn't all get spent. No, there is a restriction on it. You see... £700,000 has been handed back. There is an impression being given that somehow there's some big slush fund that we can spend on what we like to spend it on. There is a, a restriction quite often on some of these agreements less so in the more recent agreements than in the past, but certainly in the past there's been quite a restriction on how we can spend the money. Why is £700,000, the money could have been spent on the community, why has £700,000 been given back? Well, because we couldn't find, because there was no scheme that we could spend the money on legally um, that came forward from the the original agreement. Now, what I would say is that in in, uh, cooperation with our colleagues in the various planning authorities, we're trying to ensure that we do not get into this position where we have a very severe restriction on what we can spend the money on. So £700,000, it could have been spent on the community, just giving it back, doesn't it? you couldn't, couldn't well, find a way to spend it. 
believe you me, we want to spend the money. <laughs> but then you can, you can say that, but you've got 56 million quid that you're sat on. That's the highest amount of any council. Well, it might indicate the fact that we're more successful in obtaining uh, Section 106 well, than some other councils. Successful in obtaining it, but not successful in spending it. You've got, the biggest, you've got the biggest pot that you're sat on. You've paid back £700,000. The 700000 is it runs, is, of course, over a very long period. The 56 million balance, it will be spent on community facilities. We have no interest whatsoever as a public facility of hanging on to this money. We want to spend it, and it will be spent. Can you guarantee, Derek, that all of that 56 million quid will be spent? You won't be giving any more money back? We will not be giving any more money back uh, unless there are legal restrictions surrounding some of it on how it can be spent. And most for the most part, and I would guarantee that these days, any new agreements we, we receive... The money will not be uh, constrained okay. in any way. So what percentage of that money is constrained by these legal restrictions? Very, very small and lessening all the time. We, we, we had a call earlier on in the show uh, from someone who works with the developers. He says that councils are asking money, quote, for the hell of it, without any clear idea of what's actually needed. Well, we do. There is a, there is a, a different planning authorities. Of course, the county council is, uh, has to work with the planning authorities. They do actually ask the developers for contributions to offset the impacts of the schemes. At the end of the day, uh, any money that we acquire will be spent on on, uh, various facilities for the community, whether it's schools or it's public transport. Um, And indeed, um, most local authorities do try and negotiate with developers to obtain uh, contributions towards these public schemes. Stephen Giles Medford, uh, Medhurst, sorry, leader of the Lib Dems on Hearts County Council, he uh, has put forward the argument that new builds are more expensive because of this Section 106 money. Uh, I'm not quite sure whether he's, on the, in, he's, he's actually backing developers here or trying to do better for the public purse. To do better for the public purse is his argument. He's saying that developers are, are charging more for buildings because they have to pay this 106 money. Well, developers will sell houses for whatever price they can sell houses at. Well, they? exactly, but that's, that's, that's not fair, is it? And if they're, if they're being forced to, to pay extra money out, they're not going to pay that out of the kindness of their hearts, are they, Derek? Well, I think if you look at the economy of housing in Hertfordshire, um, there is a very substantial amount tied up in land values. And at the end of the day, the, the, the housing market is determined by what people want to pay for a house. And whether developers give us 10000 out of that, 2000 or nothing at all, that's not going to change the price of the house. They charge what the market will bear. What's this 56 million quid going to be spent on? And when uh, is it going to be spent? It's going to be spent on providing... Uh, we have a massive increase in uh, school places that's required. There's going to be contributions towards that. There's going to be significant contributions towards um, uh, sustainable transport. That is putting in new schemes at stations, uh, new buses, providing bus routes. There are substantial amounts of money in some of the bigger schemes over the years. For example, in Hatfield, several millions there are in the kitty to provide bus services over a number of years. Uh, uh, improvements to libraries and indeed on the district council front and some of their leisure facilities and um, and other facilities are are paid for out of some of this money so uh, without the money the provision of a lot of public facilities just would not be there and you're not going to be paying back any more money uh, i'll be doing my damnedest to ensure it will get spent don't you worry well done derek thank you if there's any going spare then certainly I will take a backhander. I can't say that. That's illegal. Derek, thank you very much indeed. Derek Ashley, in charge of finance at Hearts County Council. Not anyway implying that Derek's taking backhanders just for a second before anybody jumps to that conclusion. I'm just saying. Oh, wait, 459 455 555 is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call, 81333, start your text 3CR. Uh, On Facebook, you've been talking about proposals. Um, Steve says, you don't want to know what I was doing as I proposed, and you wouldn't be able to say it on air. Steve, please. 
Luan says, my hubby proposed to me in a restaurant in Venice. He was going to do it in a gondola, but they cost a fortune. That was 18 years ago. Cost a fortune? Get, get your tightwads. For goodness sakes. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. If you want to give me a call, let's get to the travel news now with Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 southbound slow between Junction 6 for the M25 and 5 for Watford. And the M25 itself anti-clockwise is still slow between 18 for Chorley Wood and 16 for the M40. At the Park Street roundabout, the north orbital is very heavy northbound. And also in Marlow, the A404 southbound struggling between the M40 and Marlow Junction. On public transport, Chiltern Railways have delays of up to half an hour between Marlebone and Prince's Risborough. It's after a train broke down earlier. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much. 8.13 News and Sport now. Here's Jane Killick. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Police say a crackdown on sex workers in the high town area of Luton is having a big impact. Complaints from residents have fallen from 43 a month to seven in the last year. A helicopter carrying the Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall was forced to make an emergency landing in Buckinghamshire. The aircraft was passing Denham Aerodrome last May when it started veering to one side. And of all local authorities in England, Hertfordshire County Council has the most amount of unspent money designed for community and social projects. The authority is holding on to £56 million, which was given to them by developers during planning talks. The weather, rain clearing and wind easing for a drier, brighter day with a high of 10 Celsius. Under sport and in football, Alvaro Negredo scored a hat-trick as Manchester City thrashed West Ham 6-0 in the semi-final first leg of the League Cup. It was the Spaniards' second treble since arriving in Manchester in the summer. The city manager, Manuel Pegrini, says his success is not a surprise. I know Alvaro very well from, from the nine years I was in Spain, so I was absolutely sure when he arrived here that it was the striker we need. The MK Dons defender John Ott Semibor has left the club by mutual consent. The fullback recently returned from a loan spell at Tranmere and is no longer needed at the club. In tennis, Andy Murray will be Britain's sole representative in the men's singles at the Australian Open after Dan Evans fell in the second round of qualifying. Evans was beaten 6-4, 6-1 by Martin Fuksovic, who is a former Wimbledon junior champion. There was better news for the British women after Heather Watson beat Australia's Arena Rodionova in straight sets in round one of qualifying. Joanna Conta also progressed, but Tara Moore is out. In rugby, the England head coach, Stuart Lancaster, is set to name a handful of uncapped players in his 35-man training squad for the Six Nations this afternoon. They will include the 20-year-old Bath fly-half, George Ford, who's in line to replace Toby Flood. BBC Three Counters News and Sport. I'll be back with a full bulletin at nine. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Hey, 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 calm hey. down, calm down, calm down, calm down. Hey. Tim, what Morning. on earth are you doing here? You are approximately 15 minutes late. I know, Whoa. bit tardy. Yes. I'm so, I do, do apologise for taking up... Well, uh, don't apologise to me, apologise to the listeners. I'm sorry to all the listeners that I'm 15 minutes late. If you what, want... What were you going to be doing at this time? Some really good stuff we've had to drop now, we've had to drop a really good guest. Oh no, I'm really sorry. Yeah, so, okay, listeners, if you accept or reject Tim's apology, 08459 455 555, you can accept or reject it to Tim, he's in the studio for the next couple of minutes you can uh, accept or reject it to him personally 08459 455 555 I've yes. uh, opened it up but you, yeah. you, 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 have you got your breath back now you are huffing and indeed yeah huffing. I ran down the stairs yep. I'm sorry it just made me realise how desperately unfit I am my breath is back uh, I won't keep up too much of your time Okay, just keep up take up um, at 9 o'clock it's the big phone in of course yep. and today I'm going to be asking how much sympathy do you have for the Duggan family a jury I'm sure everyone has seen it's front page of most of the papers a jury's decided that the killing of Mark Duggan was lawful Mark was shot twice by the Met Police in August 2001 in North London, uh, which, as we know, sparked riots which mm. spread across the UK, including some disturbances here in the three counties. Um, and last night there were very angry scenes outside the court as the family called the police murderers and demanded real justice for Mark. But then looking at what the jury uh, returned, they said that he did have a gun and that he probably, based on the balance of probabilities, he did throw it from the car just before he was shot dead. So none of us were there, but we've all heard the details of the mm. case. We've all uh, read, I'm, so, uh, I'm sure, heard things about uh, the kind of person Mark Duggan was. So I want to know, how much sympathy do you have for the Duggan family? 08459 555 555. It's going to be an interesting listen. We kind of, we, we've not mentioned it this morning on the show, actually, apart from in the headlines. So I'll, I'll be interested to see what people have to say. Tim, thank yeah, you very much too. indeed. Thanks, Tim. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, this has really got people talking. A call from Fiona about um, transport, mobility transport for for disabled and abled people uh, in Milton Keynes has kind of taken us off on a tangent. She told us she is disabled. She told us that she spent Christmas, 12 days of Christmas, on her own. No visits, no phone calls. One visit on uh, Christmas Eve. Because her friends and family have kind of turned their back on her. Now, I, I, I wouldn't have believed this if I hadn't have seen this happen with my mum. who She has MS, she now moves in a, lives in a home, and she has um, a couple of friends, <coughs> excuse me, left out of the big social circle she had. It's incredible, and we're getting more and more stories about this. 08459 455 555. Have you, uh, uh, or, or a loved one, um, got a disability or been injured in an accident or something. And uh, as a result, your friends kind of kind of vanished and disappeared. Wendy's on the line. Morning, Wendy. Hi. I'm having heard you said that. I'm not sure I fully fill the criteria. But go on. No, don't, don't worry. What have you got to say? I'm, I'm looking at people's lifestyles and seeing how many lives they touch during their, their life. Yeah. Um, a lot of your Watford um, uh, people will know who I am because my son was in the Watford Observer... Um, he was in Oxford University. He killed himself in December. I'm sorry to hear that. Now, one. This December just none, gone. None of his, um, yeah, none of his housemates realised how depressed he was. Mm. He was on medication, but he'd not told a soul. Then I look at myself, and when this happened, I had nine meals arrive in my house in two days from local community friends, um, and my husband. Um, works in London, so most of his friends commute from all over the place. So he's only got really one local friend. 
So that's you know that's I've, I've worked in local preschools, I've worked in local schools, I've worked with the scouts, I have a local church, I've worked in local secondary schools. So I think I have I just know so many people. Can I ask you a question, Wendy? And if it's too painful, you can ignore it. No, that's fine. What was your, what was your boy's name? Andrew. Andrew. How did you find out what had happened to Andrew? When I went to pick him up and he wasn't there. And what happened? Did you go to his room? Um, or? Um, well, I went to his house. There was nobody there. Um, and Andrew was actually um, already deceased by that point, but he was in a local park. When did you find out exactly what had happened? Um, we managed to piece it together. It took us about a week to piece together what had happened. Obviously, the police were involved. And as a mum, I've got two boys. I mean, my boys are kids at the moment. But as a mum, how does that make you feel? Like I never want to let my other two boys out of my sight again. Mm. But also, how can his friends not have noticed? So would you say that you... That you uh, and if I'm using the wrong words, and tell me, would you say that you're angry with his friends? No. Um, I think more the college. But not with his friends, no. Mm. Um, I think that they were young. They're 19, 20 years old. They haven't noticed he was spending a lot of time in his room and not, not coming downstairs to the living room. He just got a coffee, went up to his room all night. I think the warning out there is to, to people, not, we're not talking about the people who are isolated, I'm talking to their friends. If you haven't seen somebody for a couple of days, give them a ring, hop in. How Ask them if they're all right and try and read their faces. How old are your other kids, Wendy? 17 and 15. I can't even begin to imagine what, what, what they're going through. Well, it's not an easy thing for a family to no. deal with, but the biggest tragedy with this is that people did not notice mm. and he didn't tell them so your friends might say oh, i'm fine but if you know them well enough i would hope that you know they weren't wendy I- i'm really sorry for your loss and I-, I appreciate your call and i wish you the best of luck for the future well can i challenge all of your listeners if there's somebody they know well they haven't seen for a week give them a ring today thank you for that wendy Okay, thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> you can't even begin to imagine as a parent, can you? Also, the second time in the show, I'm starting to well up a little bit. You can't even begin to imagine as a parent what that must be like. You think you bring your kids up. Well, you, you do. You bring your kids up well and healthy and you think they're happy. They're starting to go off in the world and experience their own lives and things, and then something like that happened. Oh, goodness gracious me. Can't even begin to imagine, can you? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Matt's in... Uh, who'd have thought we were going to Matt in Luton to lighten things up a little bit? Blimey. Morning, Matt. Well, I've just listened to that lady, and my life is so trivial compared to her. What, what, what an incredible, incredible story. What an unbelievable woman. And I, I see it every day when I go and see my, my wife. You do too, Ian. You were talking about it. Yeah. People, they look at people, and they just put a blank on them. 
and why don't you go up and talk to that person? Do you know I go to the restaurant from time to time, and, and we're all sitting at a table, and you get a guy walk in, you have, probably haven't seen him before, and then my mates will oh, look at that, look at that guy. I said, and I go, uh, hang on a minute, and I, I'll probably catch his eye, and I say, all right, mate. And that guy, I don't know him, but why don't people do this anymore, Ian? For those well, who don't know, Matt, your, your wife is in a home, isn't she? Yes. And, and what's her condition? She's deteriorating very rapidly. She's got de- dementia, hasn't she? Is yeah, that right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, what I do first when I go in, I was telling Kelly, the girl I just spoke to, uh, I, I go in to see the others, and they're all sitting around, and I do a bit of a sing-song, and I make contact. That's what people have got to do, make contact. That person probably hasn't seen anybody for two weeks or three weeks. Why not you do it? You must do it. You must come forward and talk to people. Even if you just even sing a little song. Or I usually go in, I got my hat on, and I take my hat on, and I, I, I just... Just being with them makes me feel good because I'm lonely too, and I'm missing Margaret. And, and and you're the same with your mum. You must miss her. And when you see her and you see other people in her position, you've got to realise you've got to open yourself up to them. It's so simple. Matt, did you find that when Margaret started getting ill that her friends backed away or did they rally round you and her? No, they, they, they gradually backed away. She was in an office and Margaret, when new people started... They'd say to her, the supervisor would say, I'll never forget it, Margaret would look after you. And Margaret looked after all these people. And none of them, and they're still working in the hospital, which is just around the corner. When she's been in the hospital, they could have gone in to see her. But we don't talk about that anymore. She's got a family, Mm. which is great. The girls are there all the time. I'm there. And that's all you can do, Ian. But if people don't want to know, what can you do? Nothing. You just got to accept it. But that lady, uh, you said you welled up, so did I. I'm a bit of a softie anyway, even though I sound a bit of a Sorry? Matt in Luton's a bit of a softie. I am, Ian. I am. You ask my girls. uh, I got time for people, and that's what matters. You must have time for people. Matt, I really appreciate your call this morning. I'm getting all teary today. Seriously, me. Uh, Ian's in Watford. Morning, Ian. Hello, morning, Ian. Ian, what can I do for you? Yes, I was just saying, I, I relate completely to it. There's a gentleman in Bushy a few, well, about a, a year ago, I suppose now, but uh, he was in a block of flats and he was he died. Nobody noticed, nobody cared, and it was only the lady next door sort of wondered what the smell was. And the police came round and he was dead in his room. He'd been dead there for over a month. Um, well, isn't that incredible? You you just kind of think how uh, 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 lonely uh, and empty must someone's life be that they can be dead in a flat for a month and no right. one notice. That's right. And uh, and uh, I'm, I'm quite certain that myself, I'm elderly now, um, living in a normal residential road there, but I'm sure that if you uh, anything had happened to you, nobody would come and check. And I think, I think part of the problem is answer phones, of course. People ring up and... Uh, you get the answer phone, and they think, oh, they'll ring back, but uh, you might be um, passed out and not uh, 
they would answer the phone, of course. Ian, I appreciate your call this morning. I'm just cutting it short just because we need to move on. Good point. Thank you very much. What, what, I'll be honest, what cracking calls we've had this morning. And I don't want to sound too exploitative, but some amazing calls. An amazing call from Matt, from Wendy, from, uh, from Steve the Milkman. Wow. If you missed Steve the Meltman's call, we've uh, just uh, put it out as an audio boo. If you go, uh, if you follow at Ian Lee or at BBC Three CR on Twitter, you can have a listen to it. I, I thoroughly recommend listening to it. It's it's an incredibly powerful call, uh, dealt with Steve the Meltman's usual humour. Eight forty-five exactly. BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 southbound still slow between Junction 6 for the M25 and 5 for Watford. On the M25 anti-clockwise, still slow between um, 18 for Chorleywood and 16 for the M40. Just checking the speed sensors, Hitchin is extremely busy. The A505 towards the centre of town, uh, also the A605 heading towards the A1M. On the A1M itself, southbound is slow through the Stevenage junctions 8 to 7. And public transport, Chiltern Railway have delays of up to half an hour possible between Marlebone and Princess Risborough. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thanks very much. Right, it's coming up to 8.46 Thursday, the 9th of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A crackdown on prostitutes in the high town area of Luton is said to be having a big impact. Hertfordshire-based supermarket Tesco has reported Christmas sales down by more than expected. In football, the MK Dons defender John Otzenbohr has left the club by mutual consent. Coming up, more of your calls on what happened when you or a relative got ill. Did your friends all kind of back away? Also, how did you propose to someone? 08459 455 555. Let's get the weather now with Elizabeth Rizzini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you. We've seen some showers around so far today. There will be a few more stray showers at at times, particularly towards northern areas of the three counties, but uh, mostly dry, actually, from now on. We'll see things brighten up and uh, some spells of sunshine develop a bit later on through the uh, through the morning into the afternoon. And uh, top temperatures today of around 8 or 9 degrees, 48 in Fahrenheit, feeling just slightly cooler, perhaps, than it has done recently. And we've still got that fairly blustery westerly wind, too, but the good news is it should be mostly dry. Now into this evening and overnight, uh, again mostly dry, clearing skies, temperatures dropping just low enough for a touch of rural frost as the wind falls away. And then into tomorrow, again a chilly start. Um, we'll see some spells of sunshine. It will stay dry during the daylight hours with some outbreaks of rain pushing in to Friday evening. Um, going away quite quickly I dare say. It's not going to leave much in terms of rainfall, but it is going to drag behind it the colder air. So the weekend is looking cooler, but it's also looking dry apart from Sunday night when we are going to see further bursts of rain. That's the forecast. Joyce, if you're listening, put your phone down, love. If you've missed any of the programmes from the last week, you've missed things like this. It's a chance to revisit the many spiritual beliefs of our friends and neighbours. But there is a way you can hear it all again. Sexy bell ringing. Is that... to bbc.co.uk slash three counties and click on listen again. People didn't want him here. They didn't like Catholics. No, they spat on him, didn't they? Yeah, they did. A matter of faith. bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Oh. 
got some text on this. This really is an incredible phone-in. We'll, we'll come back to this at some point. Friendship. What happens when you or a loved one uh, gets ill or, or diagnosed with something? And it's a strange phenomenon. If you've not encountered it, you'll be surprised to hear it. But it, it, it does happen. It's very common. Friends and family back away and disappear completely in some cases. Let me do some of these uh, texts. This is uh, from uh, someone who wants to remain anonymous. Since my dad got Parkinson's and dementia, one of, uh, out of us four brothers, only me and my brother seem to care. One lives maybe two miles away and rarely sees my parents. The other one went to Australia, and when we try and fill him in with information about my dad, he just changes the subject. Like your mummy and only two real friends from years ago stay in regular contact, it's disgraceful. My mum has said she's lonely as well. Uh, Karen in Abbots Langley says, Some people are takers and not givers. When you're in need, people's true colours shine through. And Joe from Berkhamstead says, My daughter was stillborn at full term 18 months ago. Some people who I thought would be a great support haven't been there for me, and others who I wouldn't have expected to be there have been amazing. But there are some people who from that day won't even look in my direction. They put their heads down and hurry past. If only those people realise just how their behaviour adds to my grief. Joyce is in Leegrave. Morning, Joyce. Good morning. Joyce, how are you? Fine, thank you. What can I do for you this morning? I wanted to say a little verse, a little poem that my grandma told me when I was little. And as you're talking about contacts and helping people and people being on their own, uh, it's had me in good stead all the years. I mean, I'm a great-grandma now, but the thing being, if people could remember this, it does help. And she used to say, wagging her finger at me as grandmas do, if you see someone without a smile, give them one of yours. And it's so, you know, when you see somebody walking down the road and they don't seem to have anyone or there's no life No one's them. having my smiles, Joyce. <laughs> I've earned these smiles the hard way. I'm keeping them. I've only got a few left. <laughs> I've only got a few left. I'm not going to hand them out willy-nilly. You're going to have smiley wrinkles when you're older, not miserable ones, Ian. I saw <laughs> I saw um, a, a bald man the other day. Nothing oh. unusual in that in itself, OK? Right. But he had a very wrinkly forehead, oh. OK? So when he, like, smiled or laughed or said something, <laughs> his forehead wrinkled up. But then his, the top of his head and his widow's peak was completely smooth. <laughs> it was really odd. <laughs> I, don't, I don't trust bald men, Joyce, do you? <laughs> Well, I don't know, really. No, don't. I don't. <laughs> never, never trust a bold man. That's my advice. I'll take your advice for it. Thank you, Ian. Joyce, nice to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Justin, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Never yep. trust a bald man. Yes, absolutely. Steve Faulkner in Stukeley, uh, in Bedfordshire. There you go. Just one example for you. Is that a bald man? Yeah, he's a bald man, I don't yes. trust him. And he lives what, in a village. What's, hang on, what's his name? Steve Faulkner. Steve Faulkner. Where does he mm. live? Uh, in Stukeley. Right. Never go in there. No, he's because bald and he lives in a village. I don't, well, for goodness sakes, village-dwelling bald men. Yes, There's something dangerous. about them I don't like. Yes, yeah. Anyway, Justin, what, what are you here for? Uh, marriage proposal. Oh, no, thank you, I'm already married. <laughs> oh, can, really? Can you not? How would, now, listen, you're, you're Mr. Lover Lover. You're, you're Mr. Yeah. Romance. You've got it. You've got it. Yeah. Have you, con- you must have considered, as men, we've all considered how we would propose to that person when we find the one. Have you got, mm. got any ideas in the back of your head? Well, I've already done it. Um, years ago, I was oh. in uh, Mallorca. It was a uh, beautiful sunset. I'd booked this hotel, which I knew uh, where you sat outside to eat, I knew specifically there were lots of stars there. Okay, you so mean fa- Do you mean celebrities? No, no. I mean real stars. Okay. I mean, Stargazing real, Week on BBC. Real yes. stars. So we had this uh, romantic dinner underneath the stars. It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, and then somebody came to the table and said, 
Um, excuse me, sir. Excuse me, madam, but uh, we need to move you upstairs to the pool area. Is that okay? This was all sorted out by me. Beautiful. We've gone upstairs to the pool area. There is a table there, okay? A pool table? No, not a pool table. No. A real table. Yeah. And it had uh, roses on the table. And there was a letter on the table. The letter was opened oh. that then said, Justin has a question for you. Oh. Down on one knee. <laughs> Will you marry me? Yes, back oh. of the net. Fantastic. And how long have you been married, Justin? Um, I haven't got... No, no. That's not quite happened yet. But uh, the proposal was good. So, hang on, what? So you proposed this girl, she said yes, and, and then it all went pear-shaped? Well, no, no, it's not gone pear-shaped. Okay, no, okay. I'm just saying that, you know, in terms of the proposal, that yes. was a 10 out of 10. Good for you. Well Thank done. You. It's you. a nice feeling. And it, I, I disapprove strongly. Just like I don't trust bald men, mm. I don't trust men that don't get down on their knee. <laughs> You've got to get down on your knee. Well, it's tradition. And it was something else as well. I would not trust any man who didn't go to the parents oh, and say, look, mate. do you know what? I'm thinking about doing this. Um, can I have your permission, if you yeah, like, yeah. Um, to pop the question to your daughter. Any man who doesn't do that is not a real man. I, no, I agree. And it's bizarre. I got on very well with my, my, my in-laws. I get on very well with my in-laws. But still, it was nerve-wracking. Going, They, they knew what I was there for. Yeah. And they made it really uncomfortable. They, they, they dragged it out for as long as they could and they sat in the kitchen and we ate. And then uh, Peter, my now father-in-law, said, right, Ian, should we uh, go to the living room to talk? <laughs> well, yeah! <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to do that, haven't you? Yeah, I think you do. I think you do. Did you have? Did you have the ring already? Did you open like a box and uh, do that? Yes. Uh, well, no, in actual fact, um, the ring wasn't there at the time, but um, a hula hoop. There was <laughs> a photocopy of the ring <laughs> in an envelope because I didn't <laughs> want to take it to Mallorca and lose it. I know what I'm like. I, I had to smuggle my ring, uh, excuse me, to, uh, to Japan, and I, I, I and I, I kind of said to my, I had it hidden in my bag, and I was worried that I'd get stopped as they scanned it. And I said to my wife, "Look, if security stopped me." Just go on without me, I'll be fine. <laughs> she says, what do you mean? She thought I was smuggling drugs or something. Uh, it sounds suspicious. You should always leave the ring at home. No, OK. Uh, anyway, anyway, anyway. Your story's good. My story's good. Some of them have been pretty ropey this morning, Just. Yes, uh, they have. Um, we've got a few here for you. I've uh, been talking to people this morning about their marriage proposals. This first story in particular is an absolute cracker. Take a listen to this. Uh, my husband made me walk two and a half hours up Uluru in the middle of Australia, dear. The uh, in, in the outback and um, blistering sun. An hour and a half it took us to come down, but it took us two and a half hours to get up. Yeah. And uh, he was so insistent that he needed to get to the top, and I didn't know why. I said I'll go as far as I can and see what happens. But we made it to the top anyway, and he he proposed on top of his rock. Uh, Nearly 18 years ago now. This is fantastic. When you've gone up there, I suppose you had no escape. You had to say yes. I didn't have to say yes, but I did. <laughs> and that's why I'm in this country today, because I married an Englishman. Deanne, it's another story which doesn't involve the UK. Your partner proposed to you in Jamaica. Tell us exactly what happened. We went out for New Year's Eve, and it was in Kingston, Man Station Park, and he just stood there. So what's wrong with you? And everyone was, like, celebrating. And he just said... Look here, and I'm like, what? Would you marry me? And I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> and I just, I was crying. It was a bit embarrassing, to be honest. So but did, did he shout, "Will you marry me?" Yes, he did. So everyone there everyone knew exactly what was going on. And it was really nice. And I just said yes. And we kissed, and everyone was there. And then everyone came with champagne. I'm like, oh, so you planned it? <laughs> so it was like, it was pretty good. Andy, how did you propose to your partner? Um, I took her to our hotel, uh, rented the bridal suite for the evening, um, ordered a, very, a meal for the pair of us that I sorted it all out because she loves seafood, so I planned it all out. 
and then at the end of the meal, uh, the manager of the hotel brought the, brought the ring in, and I, uh, I proposed to her there. She said yes? Yes, she did. <laughs> We're still together. <laughs> oh, right, fantastic. But the bridal suite, getting a bit carried away, aren't you? Nah, it was the, it was the best room in the hotel. Yeah. Uh, it, just, it just made right made sense. Seafoods, yeah. the best room in the hotel, you... It's the ultimate package. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like these people, Justin. You kind of sat there watching the X Factor with the dominoes. Yeah. And you go, we should probably get married. Oh, no. Yeah, go on then, why not? No, oh, you can't do that. Th- 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 there's no romance in it. We've been together eight years, we should probably get married. Yeah, go on then. No, 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 no. make it special. Exactly, a bit like that first lady there. She had to walk two and a half hours. Yeah, that's a bit and weird. And then she was proposed to, but the setting and what happened that day was so special. And even now, 18 years on, uh, as soon as she talks about what happened that day, her face lights up, and it's something that she will never forget. Imagine if she said no. Exactly. Well, that, that walk down yeah. would have been very... Very, very awkward. <laughs> An hour and a half, 90 minutes. Oof, painful. Another thing I don't like is when you're like on um, uh, Surprise, Surprise, or That's Life, or Trisha, and Trisha, got, not Trisha, Jeremy Carl, or something like that, and Jeremy yeah. Carl goes to remember the audience, oh, and Steve, I believe you've got something you want to say. And then Steve gets down in the, on TV yeah. and says, uh, yeah, Barbara, would you marry me? I don't like high-pressured proposals in front of lots of people. That's unfair. Well, I've had to do that before, not me personally, but uh, when I was the announcer at Luton Town Football Club, at half-time, uh, this couple came out of the crowd and we had to go into the the middle of the pitch uh, there was me can I have your attention please oh, yes no. the, the half-time scores to come don't worry they're coming they're coming but um i'm now going to hand the microphone over and somebody got on the mic he got down on one knee he said will you marry me thankfully she said yes but had she said no you've got seven and a half thousand people laughing too at much you. pressure justin excellent stuff today mate thank you very much speak to you tomorrow uh, quick text from Anne in St Albans. Ian, our son died two years this month ago. He was 34 he, and had been married only 16 months the day he died. Uh, all his friends, oh, uh, the day he died, all his friends came to the hospital. They stayed all day and they were there for us at the end. Most of the young people have stayed in touch with us. We can never replace Jonathan and miss him every day, but it's lovely the support his friends gave us. Thank you for all your calls uh, this morning. Uh, some incredible stories. Some of them will um, will no doubt make their way into the podcast. And um, I, I appreciate your honesty and uh, feeling you could call up and share your stuff with me. So thank you very much for that. Right, let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Looking on the speed sensors, the M1 southbound still really struggling between 6 for the M25 and 5 for Watford after an accident. Also slow between 10 for Luton Airport and 7 for Hemel Hempstead. In Harpenden, the Luton Road is slow southbound towards the centre of town. And on the A1M, slow through the Stevenage Junction southbound, that's from 8 to 7. On public transport, Chiltern Railways have delays of up to half an hour possible between Marlebone and Prince's Risborough. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much indeed. Right, well, that's it. That's the end of the show. We're off to record the links for this week's podcast. A new podcast coming out tomorrow. There are still two online. If you want to go to iTunes, look for Ian Lee BBC, you'll find them there. Tim's up next until tomorrow at six from us. Ta-ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Yes, thank you, Ian. At nine o'clock this morning, it's the big phone.